Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2013. It sure is. This is the podcast where we put on our time ray bands and look back at a year in musical and cultural history through the lens of the ARIA charts. Cultural. Cultural. I mean, you know, technically <laughs> it's culture. <laughs> it, is, it is technically culture. If we stretch the definition fairly Not all elastic. the songs are culture. No, no not in the capital C sense. No. Yeah, um, and look at what was number one that year. So yeah, as you say, this year's 2013. And if you want to uh, watch slash listen to the stuff along with us, find the YouTube link in the description. That's a playlist with all the stuff that we're talking about for the year. And their respective music videos, yep. and some of them are worse than the songs. Yes, so or more better, interesting. Or more sometimes. interesting than the songs. Yeah, Definitely where the people are. roundabouts. Yeah. Um, but we are in a period now, Tom, where um, not all of them, but the vast majority of them have some product placement in there. Oh, fucking oath um, they do. I've forgotten how much there was. I don't know yeah. if it's I don't know if it's still like this because I'm not I'm not as au with the mainstream pop yeah. charts these days, but yeah, I didn't really notice this happening, but because we've been going through it systematically, yep. geez, from the start of the aughts, it really really ramps, ramps up. up. Really <laughs> yeah. really ramps up Fuck to the point hell. that in the future, when people watch video clips from 2013, it will just appear like a TV commercial. Mm. It's just—it's more about how many sort of shots of cognac they can get yeah. in. Beats headphones, particularly, are <laughs> fucking everywhere. It's like um, archaeological landfill, just digging back <laughs> through layers of shit. Oh, jeez, exactly. people really liked celebrity vodkas a lot at they, one point. They certainly <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, what are you got to tell me before we, we oh, dive into sure. songs? Um, what was happening in the world in 2013? Um, well, uh, a decade after we went to war with Saddam Hussein for possessing chemical weapons he didn't actually have, yep. uh, Syrian President Fuckstein Shitlord Cuntflaps al-Assad was confirmed to have repeatedly used sarin gas against his own people. Mm. Uh, this time we said, heck, we'll let it slide, yep. with Obama adopting the bros before hose policy, the hose in this case being the female civilian population of Syria, and also <laughs> the men, and also the children. Yeah. Uh, a great big-ass meteor exploded over the city of Chelyabinsk, injuring 1,500 people and damaging 4,000 buildings, and also leading to some of the raddest cell phone camera video and dash cam footage I've ever seen yeah. of Russians just fully ignoring <laughs> fucking end-of-the-world-sized explosion going off above their car because they're on the way to get, uh, I guess, to the, you know... They're on the celebrity the vodka kebab shop. To, yeah, yeah, that's to, right. to go check out the meteor. Um, yeah, uh, it was the most powerful meteor to strike Earth's atmosphere in over a century, and that, along with a coincidental flyby of a larger asteroid, prompted international concern regarding the vulnerability of the planet to meteor strikes and the ongoing quest for the Earth's best deep core driller. <laughs> Uh, I know that's a touchy subject with you because you considered yourself the best deep core driller. Yeah, until look, those I did. Bruce Willis rumors started going around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, nerds rejoiced as Sony released the PS4 and Microsoft released the latest in a series of increasingly stupidly named consoles, the Xbox One. 
I think their latest version is called the Xbox 505-69 Mountain Dew Extreme Colon Baconator. Uh, sorry, that's actually Elon Musk's latest illegitimate child. Uh, Sony's launch featured their usual period of fake scarcity and no launch games to speak of, a technique they're really stretching with the PS5. I think they're up to three years of that now. That's good. Uh, yeah, and uh, in music news, Miley Cyrus decided that a virginal young foam finger needed to be taken on a field trip to Vagina Town, population her, and also that she definitely knew how to twerk in the same way that I definitely know how to break dance. E.g., I sort of get the general idea, but I wouldn't be doing it in front of any black no. people or on a globally televised awards show while rubbing my ass on Robin Thicke. But yeah, I mean, that was clearly the biggest thing that happened in music that year. Yeah, um, for yeah. sure. So, speaking of music, how about I shut up and we get on with what's actually happening? Yeah, look, interestingly, after that, you know, Miley Cyrus is twerking, um, Australia's own Iggy Azalea, <laughs> um, one of my favourite rappers of all time, she came out and said, Miley, uh... Miley didn't invent twerking, <laughs> I invented twerking. Um, so, it's good that that was cleared up. <laughs> so, yes. nice Which one, one of these two white 19-year-olds invented, invented twerking, twerking in, oh. in 2012? It's hard to um, say. It's hard to, really hard yeah. to know, for it's, sure. Weirdly enough... It's funny to open with that because that is a topic that recurs multiple times throughout this year with oh. various other things as well. Indeed. We'll Indeed. get to that, so yeah. Cool, all right, so straight off the bat, Tom, 7th of Jan for two weeks. It's uh, more Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Wans. Wans, Wans? fucking whoever that oh, guy is. Yeah. Thrift Shop, we talked about it last week. Anything more you need to say about that? No, no. No. Well, there we go, moving on from that. 21 Jan for what's this? 1, 2, 3, 4... Four weeks? I think it might be five. Is it four? Four. Yep, four weeks. Um, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, <laughs> again, featuring Mary Lambert, same love. Yes. So mm. Macklemore, he's knocked himself off the charts <laughs> with another hit. With another couple of collaborators. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, this is a case of millimetre perfect timing from Macklemore, mm. isn't it? Um, we didn't address this in the last um, episode. We probably should have. Um, is he the new Vanilla Rice? Well, they basically wear the same outfits. Just that Vanilla paid full price back in the 80s, yep. whereas uh, Macklemore's stylist has op shop connections, yep. clearly that's getting him the hand-me-downs 30 years on. Similarly, Macklemore's hair looks like if you took Vanilla Ice's aircraft carrier flat top, yep. chucked some gravel in it and just gave him a noogie for about five minutes, yep. you'd end up with it. So there are definitely some similarities. Very similar, I would say. So if uh, Macklemore is the new Vanilla Ice, which we're definitely saying he is... Um, where does Ryan Lewis fit into the picture? Is he the new whoever produced <laughs> Ice Ice Baby? Yeah, well, what's the Ryan Lewis story, you ask? Uh, let, me, let me point Tell me. to it. Uh, once there was a really popular John Hughes movie about an interdimensional teenager with godlike powers called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm. Four years later, some executives wanted to make a TV show using the character, but the studio wanted too much money, so they made a knockoff version instead which was called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Uh, weirdly, it was way better than the official Febbish Bueller show, which came out at the same time, and 5,000 times better than Saved by the Bell, which remains ice-cold dog shit. Uh, Ryan Lewis is less interesting than Parker Lewis, but he does supposedly exist, although no one's ever actually seen him, Ben. Really? Mm, some people believe that Macklemore uh, might be just uh, wiggling his finger like that kid in The Shining and <laughs> pretending to be doing a character called Ryan Lewis. On the other hand, Ryan Lewis would have to be quite talented to have directed, you know, so many videos. 
Uh, he attended Ferris High School. Oh, seriously? See, coincidences they're together, lining yeah. up. And at age eighteen, met Macklemore on MySpace, which is racking up the things to blame <laughs> shit music to blame on. Every year we go on from here, uh, from whence their partnership began, going on to do producing, recording, engineering, and mixing for all of the duo's music, as well as directing the music videos for Same Love, Thrift Shop, and We Danced, Other Side, Can't Hold Us, Irish Celebration, My Oh My, Victory Lap, Downtown, Brad Pitt's Cousin, and White Walls. Uh, not the between the buried and me one uh, this one and designing promotional graphics uh, some have called him a renaissance man others have suggested maybe he should have been a music video director instead of a Macklemore enabler yeah. but either way it's pretty impressive that he did basically everything except the rapping on Thrift Shop and this song up to the fucking CD covers aged at this point 24 years old um, I wasn't really doing much at that age, but, you know. Uh, he's been quiet since 2017 when the pair went on a hiatus, apart from a bit of production for Kesha and Hobo Johnson. Are you into Hobo Johnson? I don't know who Hobo Johnson <laughs> is. Um, I hope that he pops up later <laughs> in the podcast, though. I suspect he's another white rapper. I'm a big fan of his song, Subaru Cross Trek 15, although I may have dreamed it. Not <laughs> quite sure. They're often the best songs, the ones you just dream of. You know that new Kesha song, you realise it's just in your mind. Uh, the video for Subaru Cross Trek doesn't feature any images of Hobo Johnson, so I'm guessing he's white from the fact that he wrote a song about a Subaru. Ah, okay. Good, good, As good. opposed to a Cadillac or something. Yep. Um, now, sure. is, it, is, it a, is it a conspiracy theory that Ryan Lewis doesn't exist in much the same way that <laughs> some people think Australia's not real? You know, there's some of those weirdos that are like, <laughs> Australia's not real. Birds don't exist. Birds don't <laughs> exist. Australia's not real. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So the evidence is mounting up. I think that Ryan Lewis it's all isn't been real. laid out on MySpace. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for sure. I have to log in and check that out. I haven't seen him for a while. You're right. Hmm. Um, so, and, you know, the fact that their collaboration is just sort of cease to exist I think sort of Macklemore just yeah. couldn't keep, keep the ruse up from what I understand well they went quiet for a bit but then they came back they had a big hit with that downtown oh um, yeah yeah we'll that was talk about that at some stage yeah right? that seems like recently to me but it's not of course it's, no. that was like 2018 or something probably it's yeah. more recent than this though anyway yeah anyway. Um, so look so when this song replaced Thrift Shop at number one on the ARIA charts in January Macklemore and Lewis became only the third act to replace themselves at the top of the ARIA oh, charts okay um, Madonna in 1985 yep Black Eyed Peas in 2009 so we've got one good one with Madonna, <laughs> one shit one with the Black Eyed Peas. So Macklemore and Ly- uh, Ryan Lewis are the tiebreaker here, Tom. Is I'd put them somewhere in between. Those somewhere two in balls. between. Not as good as Madonna, not as bad as the Black Eyed Peas. So yeah. somewhere in there. So there now, things, this this song itself, Tom. Um, this is a. Uh, I guess it's sort of a. What a bit of at at the time we've got to remember flashback ten years. Um, same sex marriage was Ill- you couldn't get married in Australia, no. America, pretty much every country in the world. So this song was sort of like I guess dealing with those issues yeah. at the time was quite big. So as I said, millimeter perfect timing. They dropped this after the thrift shop, which everyone loved. Yep, everyone was sort of talking about this. Hey, should you know two dudes be able to get married? Yep. Sure, and then uh, then they went and rapped about it. They put in a rap song, <laughs> and people went, "Okay, let's change the law because Macklemore's on board." That's right. Um, he also performed this, I believe, um, at a rugby league grand final. <laughs> Maybe it was this year, which I'm sure. I don't know whether the fans at the rugby league were um, all 
at the time on board um, <laughs> sure. with the same-sex marriage, particularly those ones from, uh, from the Pacific Islands who um, mm. refuse to do such things as wear Pride Week guernseys because it doesn't align with their own religious values. So, sure. good times. Anyway, so what about the song itself? What do you think about it? What do you think of this one? Um, it's not very good. No, it's dog shit. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh... the, it, his, his rapping is terrible. Yeah, um, I gotta say it's a kind of compared to thrift shop. It's a it's a much more sort of downbeat sort of yeah. That's earnest. that's a more fun song. This yeah. is less fun. It's not even it's not a sort of interestingly weird either. It's just kind of downbeat and sort of preachy and yeah. People don't like preachy pop music at the best of times. Generally, no. there's at least fifty percent of the population that just immediately switch off no matter how good the song is and if the song is say really lame white rap without an interesting hook or anything then yep. you're down to about 5% although it's still number one so yep. I don't know maybe a lot of people just felt like supporting the cause at the time you know it was very much in the news yep you look Macklemore and Ryan Lewis have a very very familiar formula Tom they get in a guest star to do a bit of a chorus yep. in the thrift shop it was that guy going I'm going to pop some threads or whatever the fuck yep. it was in this one it's Mary Lambert saying you know I can't change even if I could yeah. some bullshit about that um, not because uh, being unable to change her sexuality even if she wanted despite what those you know gay conversion therapy weirdos say <laughs> they might disagree with Mary Lambert on that one but mm. um, so it does the hook um, and I don't want to spoil it for the fans but there's another <laughs> Macklemore one later in this episode yes, and it's the same shit where it's just some dude coming yeah. in and doing the <laughs> chorus and then the same formula, so there's yeah. the hooky sort of chorus bit and then the rest of the song is generally destroyed by Macklemore's Substandard yeah. rapping, which is um, and and the, the earnestness here makes it even harder to listen to. Even it though does. it's a, it's a good message, but the the fact that he's trying to say something sincere makes it more irritating to listen to just vocally than thrift shop, where at least the utter triviality of the yep. subject matter matches his kind of half-assed, you know. Yeah. The right. question is, now that um, obviously same-sex marriage is legal um, in, in most places, probably not Saudi Arabia, I haven't checked, but I assume it's not, um, but outside of there, um, does that re- render this song redundant? No one ever has to listen to it ever again. I would say so. Yep. Yeah. As you say, this was the first hip-hop song with any sort of success to promote same-sex recognition. Yep. And as a direct result of only this song... Yep. Uh, Washington and France went on to recognise same-sex marriage this year, yep. with Australia following the customary four years later. Yep. Uh, I don't know about rappers, but this definitely outraged the kind of people currently shitting themselves about imaginary hermaphrodites performing forced gender reassignment surgery on their children in finger-painting class. Yep. So, unfortunately, those people had to be momentarily annoyed about an issue that in no way affected their lives at all and would go on to in no way affect their lives into the present. You yeah, know, correct. Yeah. Where its total lack of impact is very much not felt by them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Mm, I no. imagine the terror of a trans, you know, transgender person using a public toilet somewhere on the other side of the world will have a similar impact on their lives when it's uh, 10 years later and that. Well, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis could solve the dilemma. Exactly. By getting back together and doing a rap exactly. song about Where transgender people need to mm. use a toilet as well. And then everyone would be like, oh, yes. fuck, of course. Or possibly a collaboration with uh, the Black Eyed Peas. As we know, their song, Where Is The Love, is 
brought out in times of national emergency, <laughs> is generally global yeah. genocide, that sort of thing. They could probably solve the war in Ukraine right now if they just if they know. re-release that in mm. in Russia right now, Putin would just he'd call the tanks back That's home. I'd true. say so. It's, it, will I am? I don't know why he's not doing that. To be honest, so <laughs> I mean, the only conclusion you can draw is that he enjoys watching people die. He does enjoy especially war, especially children. I, I think Will I am probably owns um, you know part interest in some of those military supply mm. companies. So look, I think he has an interest in, in the war. You're right. Now, this we know Malcolm Moore's from Seattle. We talked yep. about that last week. The song features Seattle-based uh, lesbian spoken word poet and singer Mary Lambert, as we've talked about. Oh. Now, she was picked out um, by a poet and producer, Hollis Wongware, who helped Macklemore with this album and knew Lambert from Poetry Slams, Tom. Now, yeah. how many Poetry Slams have you participated in? Uh. <laughs> how many have you been to? I've actually, I have actually participated in a few poetry slams. If you define poetry slam as a bunch of dorks reading poetry at a poetry night, then... What is a poetry slam? Is it an American thing? Do you have to say it in a slam type fashion? Can uh, you just read out a poem or do you have to sort of be like, yo, does it have to be all... I think it's American speak for a poetry night where there might be some black people there, basically, seems to be it. Okay. I mean, you could argue that there's a sort so it's of... rapping. Kind well, of. yeah, but could without be. music and sort of... So, so it yeah. could be. Does it have to have a social conscience? Is that sort of I the component? So. Although, I mean, most poetry, you know, poetry often has a social thing of some sort anyway. Yep. Yeah, I guess I guess the slam indicates that it's supposed to be more impactful and yep. so forth, but yeah. There you go. Um, so look, they picked her up at a poetry <laughs> slam, Sorry. and as a result... This won Best Video with a Social Message at the 2013 MTV Music Awards. Um, how many, how I many, imagine it was probably the only How many... It was each year... Them versus Rage Against the Machine, who were the only contender the previous year in the 10 years before. I mean, is that a category they have every year? Because you'd think someone could just come up and go, oh, fucking, let's mm. do one about uranium mines or something. And so well, they're the only guys that are with a social I hope conscience. you're not suggesting that, say... Lady Gaga would manufacture some bullshit social message context just to get her name in the headlines bit. Oh, she would never do that, definitely. <laughs> she would claim that um, being forged with a motorcycle on an album cover, you know, it's because she's mm. the voice of a generation. She wouldn't but... wear, like, a tofu bra and then say that was about same-sex marriage. No, you know? no. She wouldn't. She would never <laughs> do that. Definitely wouldn't do she that. She would never do that. So, yeah. No, I mean, I didn't even know, frankly, that MTV had that category. No, oh, fuck who. <laughs> they definitely did that year. But look... Um, so Mix-A-Lot's obviously Seattle's finest rapper mm-hmm. and always will be. That will never go away. Um, is Macklemore number two by default or is there someone someone else? Well, I hope know? you haven't forgotten that Ryan Lewis is also from Seattle. Oh, right? shit. So yeah. You forgot about that, didn't you? So I'd either vote for him or for Nacho Picasso purely oh. on the strength of his name. It's <laughs> a good name, yeah. Don't, haven't heard any of your music, but nah, I like his I, name. It's pretty good, I'd say. I do like... Uh, the Hollis Wongwear though I've actually got some Wongwear on at the moment you do? Like is it this, less <laughs> these is new it, elasticated track pants that I'm, is it an off-brand Wu-Wear is it sort of like <laughs> that's right with a more slightly more Asian bent yeah they've looked at old dirty bastard and just went that dude knows what's up let's that's rip right. off the Wu-Wear <laughs> uh, lyrics uh, What's, it's, uh, we sort of know what it's about Are there, did sure. Macklemore was he able to tease out any good lines or is it just generally shit if I was gay, I'd think hip-hop hates me. Have you read the YouTube comments lately? Man, that's gay gets dropped on the daily. We've become so numb to what we're saying. Our culture founded from oppression, yet we don't have acceptance for them. 
Call each other faggots behind the keys of a message board, a word rooted in hate, yet our gen- genre still ignores it. Mm. Now, of course, my inner grade nine's first reaction is, that's some pretty gay rapping, you big queen. So clearly Macklemore might have a point yeah. there. Uh, seriously, though, I think he does. I mean, much like the idle conversations of Gen X man-children, hip-hop's still totally rife with homophobia and misogyny. Yeah. Like, I think Little Nas X is the first publicly gay rapper, and he only came out this decade, and it's his entire thing which puts hip-hop at about the same level of sexual politics as professional rugby in South Park. Yeah. I think some people might even point out that Macklemore pulls an emphatic lyrical no-homo in line four of his own song about how gayness is totally fine, but I'm sure that's just a coincidence. <laughs> no doubt. Look, <laughs> Look, I'm guessing school kids don't call each other gay as much as we did. So what do they call each other instead? That's my question. What are these What are these so-called participation trophy Gen Z going to call, call each, each other. other at school? Um, you can only call each other fuck sticks. Um, <laughs> that's all that's left, Tom. You can't say anything. There's no... You can't... Oh. Which is probably a good thing, I think. It, I think it, get, it forces kids to be more creative, though, because obviously... That is true. Back in the day, you're right. People gay probably, just became people a probably threw, People probably yeah. threw gay around a lot um, or... You know, um, Lady Gaga's style, that's retarded. Um, so <laughs> yeah, obviously we, we cut all of those things, uh, obviously for the better uh, and, you know, not deemed appropriate anymore. So yeah, kids have to think of some new shit. I suppose there's always mum jokes, isn't there? Oh, there's always mum jokes, yep. For sure. There's a lot. I think there's still plenty to, <laughs> you, can, you can find. I, if I know yep. kids, they'll figure out a workaround. Yeah, they will. Definitely, definitely. Sure. Um, all, right. all right. Anything else for that? No, no. Did you have numbers? or? Yeah, 15. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis have 15 million. Fuck. Um, which is a lot. Um, that is Mary a lot, Lambert, considering they haven't done anything for, what, four years? Yeah, Mary Lambert has um, just under 300,000. All right. So, um, probably... Off she's a, a bit poet, of this song, so. yeah, probably the poet. I don't know. Is there any poetry slams up on on Spotify? Do they do that? I know they're getting heavily into the podcast. Is it also poet? I don't know. I have to look it out. Mm. Um, now, Tom, I'm going to set the scene for this year. They obviously stopped making CD singles uh, either around this time or very close well, to. We had or our they first. We had our first one last yep. year. The first no. Um, and when they did make them, they obviously didn't make many of them because um, the price for this one, Tom, $16.55. Shit, yeah. So that's going to cost you just <laughs> under 20 bucks. Um, they're turning and the into, song's fucking awful. They're so. turning into collector's items. At they, are, they are, absolutely. That, that's far more than it would have cost. Oh, new. new. Yeah, definitely. Hope, anyway. Definitely. So um, I was rifling around in the op shop, as you know, the other day, Tom, trying to find a copy of all these ones that are you know worth $10 or more. Um, I didn't find one, but I did find that Holly Valance CD single <laughs> with the 2003 calendar still intact. So that's you, that's quite fine. Are a you find. telling me that basically, if anyone's listening to this, if you've got a CD single from 2012 or older, even if it's a scratch on thing, hang oh, on to it because it might be worth probably worth you know, something. That Joel Turner and the Modern Day Poets that you gave me, that I could <laughs> be sitting on a retirement <laughs> fund. Exactly. Yeah. Just hold on to it, Tom. Don't sell it just yet. <laughs> if you go on the internet and they say it's worth ten bucks. Just sit tight, <laughs> sit tight, and before sure. you know it, it'll be um, 10, 20 grand. What if I so. told you it was signed by the modern day poets? Well, exactly right. <laughs> That's, it doubles the value at, at the very least. Um, cool. So up next, um, 18th of February, Tom, it's Pink featuring Nate Roos. Give me a reason. Wow. Well, now, we've established that you're a huge Pink fan, ben, yeah. but what if I told you that in one track, you could have both Pink 
and the lead vocalist from your second favourite band, Fun Full Stop. Yeah, exactly. Like you know when something comes along, Tom, and you're actually you're pleasantly surprised. You know yeah. what I mean? So like for example, you might think I don't really need another Predator movie, and then you told me, "Hey, look, it's not too bad." Yeah. And you watch it and go, "Actually, I mean, I did think that the last four times, and I was wrong." But, yeah. you know, so <laughs> I really, did need another. Fool me four times, <laughs> yeah. shame on me. <laughs> fool me five times, then yeah. I'm surprised. But that, that happens with a lot of things, sequels or other things. You think, "Oh, I don't need that." Yeah. In my life and then you end yeah. up just reluctantly watching and going actually that was quite good or you know when Lou Beagat Beagat teamed up with the corpse of Scatman John and did a reworking of I'm the Scatman and, and you think I don't need that and then you hear it and you go actually I did need that in my life and it's pretty much the same with this song I thought to myself you know I really don't need a duet between Pink and the vocalist of Fun but then I heard the song and went yeah I really fucking don't need a duet between Pink and the vocalist of Fun so this you're is, saying uh, that it was nice to have your initial assumptions confirmed. Confirmed. Sure. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised at how bad it was. Because um, mm, mm. this sucks shit. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Look, it's super low energy um, yeah. for Pink, it's which kind is... Of, it's kind of... It's not a ballad, really. I mean, it sort of is. It's a sort of troubled love song, you know, yep. like relationship in deep water, you know, which is Look, a metaphor that they carry into the video clip. It's <laughs> fucking do. Now, you know that, you know, I tend to shit on every Pink song because I don't really like you any of them. Do, I'm not, yes. not a big Pink fan. Um, but at least the upbeat ones, you can sort of, you can get through them and, you, yeah. and the videos are a bit quirky and it's like, it's you know, sort of I can, the three and a half minutes that it takes to watch the one where Pink's like cutting down a tree or some shit, you know, because her husband cheated on it 15 years ago or some bullshit. Mm. You can get through them, but this one's just like... I don't know. It was a real slog for me. Yeah. Um, is Pink incapable of writing a song that isn't about <laughs> something going sour in a relationship? I mean, she can't do it, can she? It's weird. Like we were talking about this last fucking episode. Yeah. For one thing, she's been in this. At this point, she's been in the same relationship with the dude, her partner. They had a brief split for like. Yeah, for a couple of months, and then they got back together. That was like four years ago. And They're still together now. And she's still dining out on yeah, this shit. she's still oh. writing, you know, about relationships foundering. I mean, I suppose it's possible that their relationship was foundering at this time. You don't have to write about what's going on in your life. It's just, as you say, this seems to be the only topic that she writes about. It's all she writes about, yeah. yeah. And it's either, I've broken up with you and I'm glad, I've broken up with you and I'm sad, or, like this one, we're in the process of maybe breaking up. Yep. Or, Attention is killing me. Or, you know, I'm about to break up with someone, so I'm going to go out with the girls and get eight yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, I didn't notice this last week, and I'm not sure why. It might be because um, this is a piano ballad, so it's a little bit more pronounced. Yep. But the guy from Fun has some of the wackest vocals I've heard <laughs> for some time. They're fucking annoying. Yeah, that's also a recurring theme this year. Is, uh, <laughs> Real shitty, annoying whack, vocals. Slightly affected... Yeah. kind of indie vocals because Fun are a real band as we previously yep. spoke they're not a c- creation and sometimes when that happens you get a guy who's got non you know the, the kind of vocals that you wouldn't pick out of a lineup if you're a music industry executive working from first principles yep. you know you work with what you got but then other times it seems like they're they're doing a kind of weird voice they're putting on a strange voice and yeah he's a bit 
he is a bit affected. I don't find him annoying as some other people that we're going to cover this year. Oh, but, no. Uh, it's, yeah. In most years, he'd be the most annoying vocalist by far, but yeah. um, not this year. There's I know what you shit. mean. This Because there's not a lot going on in this song musically, it does lean fairly heavily on the back and forth of their vocals, which really does throw the spotlight on what he's doing. How terrible they are, yeah. Look, the music video sucks as well. Um, <laughs> Pink is floating on a mattress, but not like an inflatable mattress. No. Just, just like a regular bed mattress yeah. and those things aren't buoyant at all so right off the bat I'm not believing this is real I don't know it looked a bit like some of my bedrooms from Sharehouse <laughs> that's true um, place I lived which was basically on the water table next to the river <laughs> you could get a bit of mattress just floating around from time to time Turns out the dude from Fun couldn't make it to the video shoot it appears because for his part uh, it's just a close up of his head on a TV which is also floating in the water next to Pink did they not think that anyone would notice that he wasn't there oh pink you sing this bit and then for his bit it'll just be on a tv screen next to you and no one will actually notice that you do you're not really duetting it's just you're just singing to a tv screen and that's fucking dangerous did no one tell them about water and electricity well clearly not uh nor did they tell pig's boyfriend well i think it's a partner she's ma- oh she's making out with a guy on the sharehouse mattress some dude with tats who I'm, I'm guessing that's her motocross boyfriend because one of the tats is a two foot high back piece advertising Red Bull <laughs> uh, just kidding sorry it was Monster Energy Monster Energy you know Energy, Pink yeah. likes to buck the system she bit. does doesn't she yeah. Yeah. apart from the Ock health and safety violations the video does feature a sort of dorky sing along between Pink uh, dressed like a toilet roll cover from your nan's house and Nate Ruess, who looks like if the Wahlberg brother they kept in an attic fuck middle-aged lesbian stand-up comedian Tig Notaro. Uh, yeah, so it does, it does, but yeah, it's weird. It's cut into two bits. There's a bit with just them standing next to each other singing, and then there's the other weird cinematic He's on a TV screen. Bit, yeah. yeah, with the whole the floating in the bed thing, which is a little bit odd, because the, the, the two parts don't really seem to mesh together. One of them is aiming for a completely different thing. He's just like, well, why have them standing next to each other singing? If you're going to put him on the TV, just put him on the TV. Yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed. Anyway, it was directed by Diane Martell, not Pink's usual director. Martell is another unsung journeyman video music creator who's done more shit than you could name. Uh, from Seriously, her, it just starts in the 80s and it just scrolls down to now. Uh, from Luther Vandross to Mariah Carey via Red Man, LL Cool J, Franz Ferdinand, Insane Clown Posse and the Prodigy. So, yeah, she's a real, you know, she can do anything. Yeah. I couldn't find anything quite... There weren't any massive standouts. Lots of famous artists on her list, but I'm thinking... No great videos. She's not the person they get for the lead single off the thing. This is like this, whatever this is. Third single or, you know, Michael Bay was busy. Bit low on the budget. Well, what have you got? Well, I've got a flooded basement at my neighbour's place and an old mattress (laughs) floating around that the smack addicts were sleeping on. What about that? And the guy from Fun Can't Make It, so he's just (laughs) pre-filmed some shit on his phone. We'll chuck a TV TV in there and Pink can make out with her boyfriend. So, uh... The guy from Fun, um, he said, I'll just do the demo because I don't know about duets. That's a direct quote. And then Pink (laughs) said, I totally tricked him into doing it and I'm so glad I was able to. I think he's very happy that he did it. I think it's a beautiful song and I'm really, really proud of it. So he was somehow tricked into being on this song. He didn't even want to do it. He just wrote the demo and sent it to Pink with his like backing vocals and then she's like, I'll trick him into it. (laughs) 
when she just I don't know how she tricked when she just released the album he's like oh fuck I'm on this thing now I mean does that suggest that the guy from Fun is either uneasy about this level of fame or thinks that he's got you know a whole new world of fame awaiting him I mean I suppose he has had two number one singles last year so far I think he just realised the song was whack as fuck <laughs> and just went oh, I wrote this song and fucking hell it's terrible Pink said she'll do it though so mm. I'm gonna get some money off it as well and then I don't have yeah. to have my name attached to it and the next thing you know it's like fucking hell that's why he's on the TV screen because they've just stolen that footage yeah. from a different fucking music video he was in so he doesn't even know he's in the music video probably he just turns on his TV and he's like oh holy shit I've been tricked into being in a pink song I reckon that's how most pink collaborations happen you, you're tricked into it you don't know until you sort of turn on the radio one day and you go what the fuck's this why am I doing a duet with pink yes well I mean it seems like the only logical it does, answer yeah. doesn't it um, lyrically, uh, this is written by Pink, uh, Nate Ruiz, and producer Jeff Basker. The song is a pretty simple melodic sing-along about a floundering relationship. I think the idea is that the male and female vocals are coming at the relationship from different angles, e.g. Oh. One is saying, ah, oh, it's all over, you know, it was nice knowing you, and the other one is saying, hey, it's just a rough patch, we can work it out, uh... Right from the start, you were a thief, you stole my heart, and I, your willing victim, I let you see the parts of me that weren't all that pretty. And with every touch... Asshole. <laughs> clearly. And with every touch, you fixed them. Now you've been talking in your sleep, things you never say to me, tell me that you've had enough of our love. So she's married a plastic surgeon, but he's cheating on her with some chick who wanted a discount on some mammoth cans. Yep. He comes back with the old shaggy defence... Uh, I'm sorry, there, yeah. I don't understand where all of this is coming from. I thought we were fine. Your head's running wild again. My dear, we still have everything and it's all in your mind. Yeah. Uh, these days we call this gaslighting and I'm sorry, but I expected better things from the lead singer of Fun. That's, who yeah. looks like John Mulaney being stop motion animated by Tim Burton. Sorry, I'll stop now. <laughs> It's a, fair, it's a fair thing. Like, what what things do you think he was saying in the sleep that he wouldn't say to her? Like, sort of, oh, do you want to go down and get a, a oh, two no, piece feet? Huge, Is that huge sort of... cans? Yeah, maybe. And I, she's I just like, know. why won't you take me to KFC? <laughs> she's like, well, because you're a vegan. Yeah, like, that's oh, true. Damn it. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. I that. She's a vegan. Oh, probably. Look, we'll look into it for the next Pink song, which I'm sure <laughs> there fucking will be one coming up. I got to admit, I did not realize how huge she. I mean, I knew she was big in Australia because she would do those jobs. Giant concert tours. She play like she play like ten nights in a row at Rod Labor or some yeah, shit. So. But I mean, you two still play huge concerts in Australia, and they haven't been troubling the charts a lot since no. the nineties. Whereas Pink just it just every year. People seem to love shitty songs about broken relationships. Yeah, in Australia. with a with a quirky atmosphere. Man alive! I yeah. mean, we've. Got... I don't like to say we had better taste than this, but maybe I'm just no, we don't. imagining it. We don't. Um, Twenty six million. Yep. On Spotify for Pink, sure. uh, Nate Ruiz has 150,000, not that many, but of course, he, his main gig is The Fun, so I'm yes. sure The Fun have a lot more <laughs> than that. I don't even know, what, has he done any other solo stuff? I didn't bother looking into oh, it. I don't I think Probably so, just man. assumed it was as bad as this. $11.56, <laughs> so not as expensive as that Ryan mm. Lewis and Macklemore thing. Still but more still than cost, it would have cost. Yeah, yeah. it's still going to cost you more than... Um, what? Could you get could you get a sandwich and a coffee for that in Melbourne these days, Tom? No. You can get you could get a sandwich be, or a coffee, but to get yeah, yeah, you probably it's going to be hard for it to get a, <laughs> a full lunch yes. for that much. But I'm just thinking whether 
whether I'd want to, whether I'd rather this see their single <laughs> or just a, probably just I'd take the. I'd lunch go to the I'd nine the pieces lunch. for nine ninety five at the Colonel, especially if hot and spicy was bad. Yeah, that's true. Me. You could probably get a five dollar Domino's pizza or something, <laughs> and then a, a latte is what six dollars these days. So that's eleven. So yeah, you probably you probably do it. Mm. Um, anything else to say about this? No, please let's. All right, up on. next twenty fifth of February. For just the one week, mm-hmm. um, it is, uh, is it pronounced Bauer? I'm guessing it's Bauer. Bauer. Yeah. Um, with the Harlem Shake. Mmm. Yes, um, it was only one week, but it did have a, not, I wouldn't say it was Gangnam Style level, but it certainly had a bit of a global impact in yep. America. And yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say straight off the bat. I was going to ask the question, have we had any viral hits yet? But probably Gangnam Style would classify as a viral yeah. sort of people sharing the video going oh I've watched this video on YouTube this is sort of a it's yeah. like this is like a shittier version of that and we had a few there was that bloody uh, punk rocker with flowers in your hair that was like a fake viral that was fake viral and then yeah. we had there were a couple of MySpace hits whether you qualify that as viral yeah. or not I think yeah. th- this is yeah no this was a cultural hit like there were you know there were people on they did it on version on the Simpsons they did it on Good Morning yeah, exactly. America and stuff exactly uh, yeah which was a little bit weird really it was because you know what's the Bow story well from what I could ascertain um, he was producing electronic music since he was a kid mm-hmm. um, just you know chipping away in the bedroom. This is his first single, releases a free download um, to, I think, not, not a, a little little fanfare. I don't think it was yeah. a, really, really took off. But a few months after its release, a dude by the name of Filthy Frank um, uploaded a clip of him and his friends dancing to this, doing yeah. the Harlem Shake in their room, I guess, in costumes. I think Filthy Frank, weirdly, is a Japanese comedian guy who's got about 10 aliases but yeah apparently he's got a lot of fans as well because it was huge that, he does that yeah took um, that from a uh, yeah super weirdly <laughs> Filthy Frank you know what he did what he retired from being a YouTuber and became a pop singer and we're going to have to talk about him in a few weeks oh no shit really? <laughs> completely bizarre I've never really heard I was good no I didn't realise either because I was just having a look at um, the, the ARIA charts uh, for coming up future episodes and I was like who the fuck's this guy clicked on his Wikipedia and it said used to be a YouTuber by the name of Filthy Frank <laughs> yeah. gave the game away to be a pop star so yeah. anyway so this dude released it's basically him and his, and his friends just fucking around this is back yeah. when um, this is pre- TikTok and pre um, spot it like Instagram stories and pre all that sort of like Instagram existed but I don't think it was a big video yeah. platform so people would upload like short minute videos I guess on yeah. YouTube and this is what he did um, and showing the the Harlem Shake really took off got quite popular and then other people started doing their own let's do a yes. knockoff video of that and then obviously. Which is viral wise, just was, yes, yeah. exactly. Groundswell. The next thing you know, um, apparently at the very peak, several thousand Harlem Shake videos were being uploaded to YouTube every mm, day. Truly, it was the ice bucket challenge. Of its time. <laughs> Definitely. So it just racked up millions and millions and millions and millions of views on YouTube, and that was enough to project it to number one. Yeah. Because um, the song entered the Billboard Hot 100 at one, helped by a timely change with YouTube streaming data being incorporated onto the charts uh, for the first time. Okay. Yes. So prior to that, YouTube streaming didn't count. It finally started to count 
just at the right time as this shit went ballistic yeah. and uh, yeah right ended up hitting up. hitting up number one so yeah. that's that's the bow story oh, well, so when Gangnam Style got to number one that wasn't actually they weren't counting YouTube views that must have been no. actually from the old fashioned way that's, yeah that's I think the thing with Gangnam Style is I think that the YouTube people went to watch the video but then it, people went oh and then it took off on radio and, yeah. and other things because I think this seemed to be almost only through YouTube like I don't think uh, at, well I'll just say it now we don't have to there's no suspense but um, there's no CDs for this for sale oh so yeah, they, they didn't end up making it yeah it doesn't even it doesn't have a real music video either no exactly yeah. exactly so I seem to take off just from that so uh, yeah yeah Bauer so. Uh, Bauer isn't his real name of course uh, his real name is Gary Busey <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you mentioned uh, Gary started producing at 13 although what that entails we don't know perhaps he was editing Nokia ringtones on his yeah it could have been blue iMac while she was catching up on Felicity episodes it was 2013 after all anyway 10 years later he was DJing as part of the emerging trap scene uh-huh. and had a double platinum hit with this bad boy I'll say it again Ben TikTok is the poor man's vine Oh, that's what I'm thinking no doubt I'm not sure why I'm saying that I think it was because I deleted something which was <laughs> was largely as you say down to people uh, doing dances of this but I don't think I think you're right. I don't think TikTok was even around then. It wasn't, no. Uh, yeah. But this seems to be what TikTok is now, just people doing copy. This is this Yeah, well, they, they were smart enough this to This is realize. pre-TikTok, but yeah. it's basically the same shit. Just so, like, TikTok started in 2016, yep. but I think Vine was already around. Oh, uh, yeah, Vine started at the start of this year. Yep. So, that probably would have been exactly the kind of thing that they were hoping to do, but yeah. Yep. I still hold with... the statement that TikTok is the poor man's vine. I don't know why I decided that needed to be said right here. Oh, though. look, I think it does. It makes <laughs> sense. So, look, Bow, so Bow's basically got a TikTok hit pre-TikTok even existing, basically. Yes. Because the song yeah. itself is kind of pretty shit. Um, the success of the song inspired New York rapper Azalea Banks to release a downloadable freestyle over the beat. So yep. she released this. Um, SoundCloud on two, 14th of Feb 2003. Bow was less than enthusiastic about the unsolicited remix and had it removed from her SoundCloud, mm-hmm. resulting in a Twitter argument between the two. Bauer explained that he'd planned to release a version of the song with Banks quite a while ago, but her verse wasn't up to scratch. <laughs> he decided to go with the instrumental version of the song, which became a hit. She said something like, She laid something on a Harlem Shake and it was so-so. Didn't love it. This was a little while ago and since all this video stuff happened, our plans changed. Because of that... We decided to just release a song on its own with no vocals. We told her, please don't release your version. She said, well, I'm going to put it online anyway. And we said, please don't. We really don't like it. And she did. And then Banks responded by saying, you don't fucking belong in hip hop. You don't even know what the fucking Harlem Shake is. Well, is that a fair response? I mean, she's a professional shit stirrer, yeah. but she does actually have a point. She's not wrong. No. Yeah. So this is called Harlem Shake because of a sample of the 2003 song Miller Time by Plastic Little, which just says, do the Harlem Shake. That's all. That's the full extent of it. Yeah. The real Harlem Shake is a dance created in 1981 by a guy called Al B., which was originally called The LB and has been mentioned in heaps of hip-hop songs since then, not to mention appeared in several music videos. Uh, this song, by contrast, inspired the white person equivalent of all of that, e.g. a brief online trend of annoying teenagers doing a dance that was not the Harlem Shake to an EDM song made by a white American dude. Mm. 
Uh, I don't know what was in the water at the start of the 10s that caused the resurgence of the pop music dance trend. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Like, that went away sort of in the mid-90s, and then it's come back. In the space of three years, we've got the Dougie, the Harlem Shake, and the Gangnam Style, not to mention my 2011 dance, The Hot Prostate, which (laughs) was famously banned in several backpackers' hostels across Burnie. Yeah, I know. It's it's a good song. (laughs) It's one of my favourites. Uh... Also, this song, written as an instrumental, um, thrown around for a few people. Obviously, that Azalea Banks yeah, chick did a originally bit of work on released, it. as you said. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit rich him saying, t- telling her not to release it. This was originally a SoundCloud giveaway song. Oh, exactly. Like it was free. To, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So there was another guy, um, a rapper, Jim Jones, who said that he'd had the beat for a while and he was going to do something, but didn't do it. Um, but this is my favorite quote from his. He said. Um, it had been out for a year before I had it for a year before anyone had even heard it. It was going to be a record for Paulie D album from Jersey Shore. <laughs> so Oh god, remind me, was Paulie D the DJ guy? I can't really remember, can't but remember. um it's good to know that one of the dudes from the Jersey Shore <laughs> was gonna do an album. I don't think any of them had any musical <laughs> talent from what I could ascertain. And it was gonna be this song. So we could have been talking very much now about the Harlem Shake by one of the people from Jersey Shore, but we're not, so that, that's a bit sad, I think. I'm sure they would have treated it with the cultural sensitivity that is deserved, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Now, um, Bauer hasn't troubled the chart since, but I'm sure he no. still gets to DJ all over the world as the dude that made the Harlem Shake. Oh, I'm sure, yes. Look, uh, as stated, the song doesn't have a video, because it never, like you say, Bauer never even troubled the industry that much but if you want to see what the Harlem Shake actually looks like you can try the video for original Harlem Shake by Wes Crave not Wes Craven director of Nightmare on Elm Street but Wes Crave which features a whole bunch of the proper street dancing and is an absolute fucking irresistible banger of a song by the way I don't hate this song it's just a kind of average sort of trap dance sort of dance floor thing fairly simply constructed but uh, the original Harlem Shake by Wes Crave is a fucking irresistible banger. I would say, yeah, definitely more fun than this song. Uh, the dance itself is kind of a... Did you watch? Have you seen anyone do it? Yep. It's kind of a jerky, parallel-shouldered thing with floppy wrists and knees that looks a bit like a dt street person getting an ice cube dropped down the back of their shirt. Yeah. It's, it's quite a look. I'm not sure if it's inspired by someone... Uh, going through alcohol withdrawal, but it certainly looks like it, it does. might be. But yep. yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to get the link into the list if you want to watch that. But yeah, if you want a video that's better than a blank screen with Bauer written on it, yeah, then watch that's that yeah, exactly. Um, no lyrics, Tom. Hey, just no, do just, the Harlem Shake. just an incitement to do the Harlem Shake, which, as we now know, isn't much use if you don't have the faintest idea of what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, sure, you could spend three seconds googling it and find out why, but why not just make some stupid shit up and upload it to Vine? That's what everyone else did. Exactly. Know? That'll get you on the Simpsons, apparently. For sure, yeah. Hand-animated version of just some random crap. Indeed, indeed. I uh, must admit, I have not seen the actual... Have Did you watch the Filthy Frank one? Oh, yeah. It only goes for 30 seconds. It's I just somehow some managed going, to miss it. In a room. Okay. So it's basically... Yeah. You look at that and go, this went viral? Are you fucking serious? So I that guess it was a say, simpler time. I mean, you see, that, that kind of goes against... Your theory was that people... Uh, that it was harder to get 
uh, into <laughs> YouTube back then, whereas nowadays you could just be a cat in a box on yeah, top of a fridge. Exactly. That I think is twenty thirteen's the changeover point to cat in a box on top of a fridge. Yeah, definitely, definitely right. Um, but yeah, I sort of looked at it and went, oh, okay, I guess maybe just people didn't have a lot to do that year. I'm not really sure, but um, yeah. Uh, perhaps were, were Netflix still mailing out DVDs at that point? Was it sort of harder to stream stuff? I don't really know. Yeah, hard to say. But look, Bauer's got 1.5 mil on the Spotify. I assume it's all Harlem Shake numbers. People probably You'd got this so, on some yeah. playlists. Like, like you say, I'm sure he's still a fucking performing yeah. DJ. Um, as I mentioned, none for sale. There's only a promo CDR um, available, <laughs> okay. which are none for sale at the moment, or a bootleg vinyl. Um, and of course, bootlegs are prohibited from sale on Discogs, so uh, you can't lame. can't even buy that. So I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, anything else to say about no, this one? No, no. What's no. up next? Something something different. Oh, well, there's three more weeks of give me a fucking reason. Heat Pink <laughs> featuring uh, Nate Roos again, but um, after that, after the three weeks of that, for a week, oh fuck me, it's Macklemore and Ryan Lewis again. <laughs> this time featuring Ray Dalton. Ah uh, yes. With uh, can't hold us. Wow. Just when you think he's gone, he's back. People can't. Get enough of Macklemore in 2013 truly they, um, they, I did not know I didn't know they had another hit with this yeah thing. I forgot about this one and then I watched the music video it's like there's like a pirate themed video yeah. and like a boat um, <laughs> which is kind of fun I guess and yeah and then there's the guy Ray, Ray Dalton he's the guy that's doing the hook on this one so, yes as you put say put your hands up like a <laughs> yeah they've dragged in another person who can actually sing to do yeah so, know, so he does that bit about how the ceiling can't hold them whatever the fuck that yeah. means um, and then the rest of the song is just Macklemore's rapping which is I think even worse on this than the last one, I think. I couldn't yeah. make out any of the words. I thought, personally, I think I enjoyed this more than the last one. Because oh, yeah, it's, it's a much weirder song. That's true. And that is true. Yeah. It was uh, better than the last one. In, well, same love. Like, yeah. Same love. It's got a good message, but it's just so earnest and... Yeah. Garbage. And slow and boring, yeah. In an interview, Macklemore, the real name Benjamin Hammond Haggerty, said that Ryan Lewis had this epic song for a year before he felt confident enough to rap over it because it had a sort of anthemic soccer stadium vibe to it. Mm. Uh, Ryan Lewis then added a whole bunch of cool musicians, horns, instrumentation, a rad distorted key solo, and the vocal stylings of Ray Dalton, uh, making it even more epic in scope, not to mention seven fucking minutes long. Oh, it goes forever. Which is about four minutes too long for a Macklemore song, but, you know... Yeah, I'm not saying it was a total failure. I just think it would have worked way better as a song without Macklemore's tepid raps about fuck all over the top of it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, I've got a question for you, Ben. Yeah. As a famous rapper yourself in mm-hmm. the art of seduction, posse, and the new metal stylings of John Bon Jovi, yep. uh, what should white people rap about, assuming they didn't grow up in a trailer park like Eminem? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. Um, I think they should... I mean... I think when you look at hip hop as a whole, it's sort of a lot of people rap about, um, I guess, you know, their situation, their upbringing, things not being as good as they could be and sort of things that I guess frustrate them or disappoint them or upset them. You look at NWA and they rapped a lot about what it was like growing up in the ghetto and the police brutality and drugs and poverty and sort of how they were trying to get out of that. So I think when you think of it in that sort of way, rapping, you know, hip hop, should be about things that are in your immediate environment. So I think yeah. for most white people, probably 
what they need to be rapping about is the difficulty <laughs> of um, doing formulas in Excel, um, just sort of general office bullshit. Yes. You know, um, lattes being $6 now instead of like $5, <laughs> those sorts of things. Um, the price of petrol, probably, that's frustrating. Mm. Wanting to put some lettuce in your burger and it costing 13 bucks. So probably just inflation pressures, um, you know, IT issues, something like that. Yeah. So not being able to... Um, you know, log into, you know, always have, maybe a rap about, you know, is, oh, isn't it terrible how you, you, you know, you have to have a different password for all your things and oh, you can yeah. never remember your password. I could do 400, so, yeah. 400 verses packages, on that. Packages getting lost, those <laughs> sorts of things. I think they're the sort of things that white people should be rapping about. Wasn't, yeah. there, a, um, wasn't there a Louis Thoreau uh, episode where he, uh, yeah, actually, hang on, uh, yes, there was, where he went, he hung out with a rapper um, and uh, he said, what should I rap about? Yep. And the rapper said, look, you should rap about what you know. Yep. Uh, yes. And What did he rap about? Well, he rapped about what he knew. Uh, so the first verse is, my money doesn't jiggle, jiggle, it folds. I want to see wiggle, wiggle for sure. It makes me want to dribble, dribble, you know. <laughs> Riding in my Fiat, you really have to see it. I'm six feet two in a compact, no slack, but luckily the seats go back. Look, so, it's, yeah. it's not horrible, but it's not great. <laughs> it's about Macklemore quality, I'd say. So. <laughs> Shepherd's Bush, my compact push, Notting Hill Gate, my Fiat skates with a crate of Cabernet. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so mostly he's talking about... That's what, this is what uh, rap, white rap would sound like if people sung about their middle class upbringing. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of songs about making salads with your parents who, you know, have amicably divorced but both earn a decent amount of money in yeah. their academic positions. Uh, yeah, so probably that's why they don't <laughs> they do it very much. Bother. Instead, they make up crazy shit like this. Yep. The video is pretty awesome, though, I reckon, this one. It's directed by Ryan Lewis and a couple of other dudes. It spans multiple continents features skydiving, a huge flag flying from the top of the Seattle Space Needle, and black people getting crazy on tall ships, which I don't think I've yep. ever seen before. I don't understand it, Ben. It's like they've got some sort of natural disinclination towards large historic sailing vessels. I can't figure <laughs> it out, but, you know, apparently they got over that for this one. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to see what it looks like um, if NWA were getting down on the top of the, you know... SS Pacific Crossing 1642, then, yeah, there you are. Absolutely. Look, I did like the tall ship element of this. That did make it a bit more fun. Oh, I just, this must have cost a fuckload. Yeah, that's like, what... This, he's on a beach in Australia at one point, yeah. you know, and then, yeah. I did look at this and think they must have made a fuckload of money off the thrift shop and oh, the other yeah. one because, Jesus Christ... In the space of a year, yep. no less, you know. Definitely yeah. a big budget video. So, look, we've got that. That's good that we've got that forever. Yeah, at least uh, it looks interesting. Yeah, um... Um, lyrical highlights uh, credited to Macklemore Ryan Lewis and gospel singer Ray Dalton uh, looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking on who hit me get up thrift shop pimp strut walking little bit of humble little bit of cautious somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby sweater game no y'all can't copy bad moonwalking this here is our party uh, Macklemore is straight into verse one with three big influences on his musical style. A fictional boxer from a movie made in 1976, yep. uh, multiple rapist and Michael Jackson. 
So <laughs> unlike his hero, Rocky, Macklemore can roam fast, but like Bill Cosby's sexual technique, the speed is not disguising a whole lot of excellent content no. that's going on inside it. You know? <laughs> Look, um, you could still drop Cosby's name in a song at this time, so <laughs> you, you got him right. You got him then. just at the right time mm, with this. Much so. like Michael Jackson, there was still that one percent chance that he was innocent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. R.I.P. At this stage, um, definitely. Um, anything else to say no, about this? No, let's move on yeah, from no the more to third say. fucking Macklemore song. Of the um, yeah, so 15 mil for Macklemore, as we said. 2.8 for Ray Dalton. Um, this will cost you $4.41. So this is the, Cheap the one. first <laughs> one under, under five bucks. Yeah, so. so if you've got a single of this, just piff it out the window. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, just buy nothing, I think, <laughs> still. Um, all right, up next is uh, Passenger with Let Her Go. Now, Tom, I fucking forgot about this. Mm, and holy shit, it is terrible. <laughs> you really didn't like this no. one, did you? Would you describe this as Puss Rock, Ben? It, well, no, it's the folk revival, which is uh, which is worse than Puss Rock. Yeah. Um, the dude's voice is so annoying. I thought the guy from Fun was terrible. But this is real bad. Yeah. I've got no idea how anyone could listen to this without thinking... Fucking hell, these vocals are terrible. Yeah, as stated, it's that slightly affected thing again where you think, is this, is this really your voice? It's this, I don't know. It's got a touch of country, a touch of folk, a touch of quiet loud, quiet loud, the song in general. Yep. And a touch of cutesy sort of Cat Stevens maybe influenced vocals. I'd say it's nice to hear real instruments being oh, played yeah. by people who look like a band you'd see in a pub down the street. Like, none of them look flashy at all. No. But the song itself is about as thrilling as you'd expect the biggest hit of a band to be that call themselves Passenger, yep. which is one of the dullest band names I've ever heard, oh. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. Look, the folk revival around this time, oh, um, 100% know. of it was awful. I'm just going to say that. Here's what I'm going to say, Tom, and um, you know, here's my hot take. A lot of people might not agree, but <laughs> Dude with Acoustic Guitar is not only the most boring music, um, it also sucks in a live setting. And for my mind, Acoustic Solo Dude means one of two things. Number one. <laughs> You're either a cunt and no one wants to work with you, or your music sucks and no one wants to work with you. Or two, you have no imagination, as, quote, stripped back, end quote, for me means someone who can't be fucked going the extra few steps to make it good. Get some fucking saxophone in there. That's all I'm saying. A guy in his bedroom just strumming away on the acoustic guitar going, that's a complete song. It's not a fucking complete song, okay? You've got to get some drums on there. You've got to get, you know... I'm Some keys, a bass. You're not going to a lot of open mic nights, Ben. Oh, it's all terrible. It's, it's no good. It's no good. Um, and that's that's the problem. People are not imaginative enough to think, oh, you know, that's okay. What if I put this on there? What if I did some, you know, yes. some horns? Yeah. So that's the thing. That's the thing about Kanye. He's always tweaking. <laughs> you know, he, he sure Kanye is. releases <laughs> an album. He releases an album and it's out. In the public domain, and then he's like, "Wait a minute! What if I put some, you know, some car horns yes. on there? What if I did this?" He's always doing that. Yeah. Passenger's the reverse of that. He's just mm. said, "Fucking hell, this will do." Yeah. And not this song per se, because there are drums in this and whatever. But I'm talking about the folk revival yes. as a whole. It's generally just acoustic guitar solo shit. And, and I mean, as Axl Rose demonstrated conclusively with Chinese Democracy. Yeah. 
if it, the best way to improve music is to add more elements over a 10 to 15 year period. <laughs> exactly. And don't release it until you're absolutely satisfied that the guy with a KFC bucket on his head agrees that it's ready to come out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you've got two guitarists in the band, you don't have two guitar tracks on there. You have like 50 or 60 guitar right. tracks on there. If he can do one cool shredding solo, you know what would improve that song? Two Four three, or five exactly. other more incredible. Anyway, Correct. look, Passenger, unlike uh, Buckethead, is basically one dude. Buckethead's clearly a rotating roster of dudes. Um, uh, Passenger's one dude, Mike Rosenberg from Brighton in the UK. He's prolific. He's done an album of a year since 2007 and oh, continues cool. working today. For all his success, he still describes himself as a humble troubadour, has a big dumb beard and dresses like he's on his way to the laundromat. I guess when you're a folk singer-songwriter, there are some traditions that need to be upheld or else everyone else at the open mic night gets to crop dust you mid-song on the way to the toilets, you know, yep. to show their disrespect for your lack of a huge beard. Yeah. Indeed. Now... <laughs> I don't make the rules better. No, you don't. You don't. Look, um, this is what Rosenberg had to say. In my mind, the song has two meanings. Mm. One, mm. the first is quite literal as I wrote it, wrote it after a breakup. It's about letting it go. Yep. But there's a bigger idea going on and it's more about not really understanding or knowing what you have until it's gone. Wow. And I think everyone can definitely relate to that. Now, no one's ever come up with that. two meanings. <laughs> no, one's ever, no one's ever come up with that. And he says two meanings, but aren't they just the same thing? Yeah. Isn't just one? The song's about breaking up with someone and then not realizing what I had until they were gone. That's so to right. say that it has two distinct meanings <laughs> is bullshit. This yeah. guy sucks. <laughs> now, Rosenberg, I feel partially responsible. Yeah, for this I song. was not overly happy to read this. Um, Rosenberg was backstage after finishing a set at a university bar in Australia when he came up with this song. He was a support act for another band. His performance was met probably the John Butler Trio or um, uh, Pete Murray. Pete Murray. Oh, yes. Or, Who could forget the or, singing ex-rugby player? Or Xavier Rudd, <laughs> that guy doing some God. white didge work. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so he was a support act for Xavier Rudd. Xavier Rudd. He's come backstage. Who I have a personal vendetta with as well, but that's for another story at another time. <laughs> not, I've, I've not actually met him, but I, I have a vendetta against his music. <laughs> sure. um, so anyway, so what happened was he was met with utter indifference. Of course. Of course, because his music's terrible. So that explains mm -hmm. why he's met with utter indifference. So he came up with a song about his ex-girlfriend. He went backstage after the indifference and he says the song just came pouring out of him. Mm. So in many ways... This is directly my fault. Um, I'm sure I've seen some cunt like this at a uni bar just up there strumming going... And I've not clapped because it's fucking terrible. But if I had have clapped... Yes. And if everyone had have just given, you know, the bare minimum of not, not sort of, wow, this is really good, you should keep pursuing this as a career, yeah. but sort of a general just sort of... Just enough to validate Just acknowledgement that they yeah. exist. Then perhaps he would have gone off stage... He would have felt satisfied with his performance. He wouldn't have written this song and then I would <laughs> never have had to have heard it and I would be unfamiliar with the work of Passenger. But yeah. it is a fine line as you hope the indifference will make them realise that they suck and quit music. So there's that. Yeah. But then if, you know, but then they might go and write... Inspire them to... Inspire yeah. them to write a song like this that goes on the radio. <laughs> so it's really, really hard to know... 
do you, do you, you clap too much, they keep going. Yeah. You don't clap enough, they write this song. So no. what is the correct level of clapping? I can't tell you. But all I know is that um, people in Australia should have clapped a little bit more for Passenger. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, he told Elle magazine for some reason... Uh, I can't really explain how much of a shock it was. I spent five years busking, playing street gigs and travelling around, making money, no money at all. Like, as I mentioned before, this is, you know, he's been writing albums for five years, playing at tiny venues and tiny pubs around Europe and Australia. So it wasn't even in my universe for it to happen, e.g. big success. It didn't even feel possible for me to have a song on the radio, let alone something that was going to turn into this absolute sort of global monster. So it was such a flipping shock. Yeah. So, from busking on the street, the song climbs to a million downloads and finally to the heights of the ultimate American artistic achievement being used in a Budweiser commercial <laughs> about a cute puppy that aired during the 2014 Super Bowl. Fantastic. Yeah. He's made it. You know you've made it when you're on a Super Bowl. Ad, Truly, so yes. That would have made the ad pretty boring, though, to have this song playing. So. I was going to say, it doesn't really sound like cute puppy material no, to me. But, it you know. So, look, the song first got exposure in the Netherlands after a Dutch radio DJ um, heard the track in a cafe. Mm. And within three weeks of it being in the radio, it was number one in Holland. Um... Whenever I hear this in a cafe, I immediately leave the cafe, <laughs> then call in a bomb threat, uh, yes. then claim I was hospitalised with extreme food poisoning from the cafe in the hope of getting it permanently shut down. Mm. So, look, uh, he's still making music today, as you said, Tom. He's an album a year, you say, sort of since 2007. So yeah, yeah. So his album Birds That Flew and The Ships That Sailed came out in April this year. Um, so if you like really excruciating vocal <laughs> techniques, check it out. Um, I assume I would know, say I, I, I mean I agree with you it is an annoying voice but I wouldn't I would say it's no more annoying than the equally affected vocal talents of uh, Kings of Leon or Mumford and Sons who are also part of this fucking irritating oh, yeah. one hit every couple of years folk revival that we've been discussing over the last uh, few years yeah um, and yeah, hot take I mean, Tom uh, Eddie Vedder <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I mean, yes, sure, he's a grunge person, but yeah. I mean, what is it, do you think, about these types of vocals that annoys you so much? Are you suspecting that he's deliberately singing that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, I know I know some people accused Bob Dylan of doing that when he came out, you know, yeah. way back in the 60s, and of course they were totally right, he's a fraud and should be kicked out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Blonde on blonde, my ass, but I listened to that once and there was no lesbian porn to be heard oh, anywhere no, it's, on it's it. crazy. Yeah. And he started out as a fucking folk singer too. You know, I'm really seeing a pattern here. Yeah, exactly. Look, I don't know what it is necessarily, but um, I think it's just this sort of... It is the affected vocals. I, I'd just rather someone just come out and if you don't have a great voice, that's better than... I think you try, it feels like you're trying to hide something or trying to do... Because this dude, I'm, I guarantee you, he doesn't talk like this, so... No. I mean, I suppose you could say, like, he's... Sounds like a child as well. He's a Brit who's been living in Australia and travelling around Europe for five years and is singing a song for Americans. So maybe he's got that transatlantic thing. But yeah, I know what you mean. It still doesn't explain his weird delivery. No, it doesn't. Um, This must have some great lyrics though. Oh, look, this is definitely from the UK artistic school of in order to be taken seriously, you need to be moping and suffering and white, obviously. Uh, Well, you only need the light when it's burning low, only miss the sun when it starts to snow, only know you love her when you let her go, only know you've been high when you're feeling low, 
only hate the road when you're missing home. Mm-hmm. Now, you kind of get the vibe he's going for, you know, don't know what you've got till it's gone, as Joni Mitchell once said in a better song. But the examples he's using don't really support his argument, if you think about them for more than a few seconds. Yep. Only know you've been high when you're feeling low. That doesn't work in either a literal, emotional, or pharmaceutical sense. No. Similarly, later on he talks about staring at the bottom of your glass, hoping one day you'll make a dream last, but dreams come slow and they go so fast. Again, you get the vibe he's going for, but he doesn't mean dreams go fast. He means the thing he's dreaming about goes fast, e.g. this woman that he's lost who is apparently what the Poms call a right tasty bit of crumpet governor. (laughs) Dreams themselves, (laughs) the dreams themselves, both the literal or figurative kind, come immediately whether you want them to or not and are almost impossible to fucking get rid of. I don't know about you, but I can still remember things I dreamt from childhood and in the sort of daydream aspirational sense, I will certainly die wishing I was doing something cooler, like not dying for a start. Yeah. But yeah, so again, it's that sort of lack of specificity and I mean, if if you're a singer-songwriter, which is what this basically is, this song, it's, you know, it's a singer-songwriter with a backing band, you know, it's a it's a jacked up version of a you know a fucking open mic song, it <laughs> a funky kind of song. It um, is. It, if you're going for that, then that sort of specificity and emotional emotional connection is all you have really, because you don't have much in the way of you know crazy musical production or white hot riffs. There's you know? nothing here. So if you can't succinctly convey emotion and that sort of thing, then really, what the fuck are you doing with this? You know. Maybe that's why he put out five albums before this happened. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly right, exactly. Um, look, I don't know, Tom, when I listen to those lyrics, maybe it's just like rain on your wedding day, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I mean, if you heard someone busking this in a train station while you were walking past, you'd probably go, and you didn't, you'd never heard the song, you'd probably think oh, either, oh, that's a cover of something, or you might go, oh, that's all right. But you would not go, wow... This deserves the full, you know... I wouldn't stop. ...record company treatment. Yeah. Exactly. And we also should point out, as you mentioned, Tommy, released five albums before this. Passenger was originally a band. And then all the other people... Oh, were they? Yeah, and then everyone else has left and went, I don't want to be fucking part of this anymore. That makes more sense. Because it's so terrible. I why he called himself Passenger. He just kept the name. So he's like, I'm going to be a solo artist using this name now. So as the albums went on and the years went past and they had zero success... And everyone in the band realised how shit the music was and just went, I'm fucking out of here. And he's like... And then he... So so here's the thing, Tom. The other members of the band has left and Passenger, the guy, he's gone and oh, I need someone to play bass in the band and then yep. he's played them the music and he can't find anyone that's willing to join. He can't, he, the UK has 60 million people. He's, he's, he's door knocking. I'm in a band. You know, does anyone play bass? He's going on whatever the, you know, Facebook or Craigslist saying, oh, you know, join my band. I've got a record deal. I've released five albums. Couldn't get any fucking takers to join this shit because it's so bad. So then he had to go solo. So mm. I think, you know, that speaks for itself for me. There's probably some... There must be some weird way that this song got heard. That Dutch fucking DJ, blame the Dutch. But they usually love the Eurobeat, so I'm surprised that the Dutch guy in the cafe wasn't just like... Oh, sorry. He needs the Eurobeats. They love the Eurobeats. Did you actually read that out? Yes. Oh, did you? Sorry. 
I must have been trying to bring up something on the internet. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. You're right. Yeah. So the Dutch, the Dutch dude pl- found and played it, and then it took off in the Netherlands, and then it <laughs> spread like wildfire. But oh, that was when you were going to call it a bomb threat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, um, I missed the word Dutch. That's. But, a, but yeah, no, I'm often... usually more of a fan of like your two unlimiteds or uh, that sort of yeah, like your ICMC. Yeah. So I'm surprised that this you know got much Tiesto much... or something. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. I think it's all. That... Yeah. high strength weed and mushrooms they I'd take. say so yeah um, it is kind of often when you look up the stories of how somebody got discovered it's just uh, really mundane but that's vague slightly more interesting than I was thinking of but yeah it still doesn't really explain it it doesn't anyway. look um, passenger, right, who have we got next? he's got 11 million listeners on Spotify wow. so this must be on some playlist of like mm. shittest songs well I mean as we said he puts out an album every year yeah, if you true. do that people are gonna you know yeah, look, keep, up, keep in touch with you he's a quantity not quality man and I respect <laughs> that so good on your passenger this would cost you $7.52 do not pay that much money for this <laughs> Um, you can just watch it for free on YouTube. So, I respect his persistence, I yeah. do, because oh. I, I lack that. I respect the ability to watch everyone else in the band go, fuck this shit, and then go, no. I'm out. I'm, He's I'm just gonna, a one-man band. Still something could happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, um, next? Up next for one week, it's Daft Punk featuring Pharrell. Get lucky, Tom. Oh, with Niall Rogers on the guitar, yes. Now, only one week for this, oh, which I yeah. was surprised at, because I remember this being extremely popular at the mm. time. It seemed to be everywhere. Chops, radio, TV ads all over the place. Um, obviously, though, it was hard for it to get to number one with that fucking passenger <laughs> bullshit dominating yes. the airways for so long. Yeah, not to mention the 17th single from Macklemore featuring <laughs> Ryan Lewis. Exactly. Like, look, this is a fucking jam, I, I have to say. It's a crime that it took this long for Daft Punk to get on the mm. Aria number one list, but at least they managed it once before they broke up yep. uh, with a little help from old Pharrell Williams, yep. who at this point is about nine years into a decade-long hot streak, which will oh, shortly yeah. come to an end for reasons that may become apparent <laughs> later on in this episode. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, this is a rare case where he wasn't doing any production. No. They just wanted him for his admittedly really cool vocals yep. and his moose-sized Canadian and Mountie hat yeah definitely uh, he brings to the party quite literally Um, it's a bit less of a dance floor banger than their earlier stuff it's more in line with the 70s uh, Giorgio Moroder flavoured electro funk of the rest of the Random Access Memories album Mm -hmm. now there's a fucking great title passenger you dildo uh, I'm also a big fan of the song Lose Yourself to Dance from this album, which was, I think that was the other single. Uh, and that also features Pharrell doing the job of a real-life vocal sample and also features another sick-ass Nile Rogers funky guitar riff thing. Yep. Um, yeah. But uh, what did you think? Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's the best song so far, but that's faint praise. That's, <laughs> that's true. Lot. The bar is not but high. Yeah, look, the, I think this is one... Occasionally songs that you do hear everywhere um, you're like for fuck's sake but this is one that's like it's pretty catchy it's and yeah, rad isn't found it? it found it really good um, yeah obviously Daft Punk um, yeah as you said sort of I was kind of surprised because they do have a lot of other songs that in my memory are sort of you know like one more time and um, yeah. all that are sort of like big hits that I just remember yeah. hearing a lot just going oh so I'm sort of surprised but I guess it was timing because as we sort of see um there's a bit of a Eurobeats revival 
coming up, I think there's a few more dance songs maybe later yeah. this year. Maybe some of their earlier songs they weren't quite um, the 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 on the mainstream charts. The sort of no. dance stuff wasn't quite there. No, Plus, they took it took longer for the Americans to get onto them. Yeah. than... like I think America. I think a lot of Americans had never even heard of them until they worked with Kanye West, which was a few years yeah, earlier. Yeah. That's true. Even though they'd had massive hits in. Europe on the dance charts. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. And they weren't um they weren't doing the, the Eurobeat like uh white like <laughs> chick doing the vocals. No, like, they weren't doing the rap. They, they weren't were, doing... they were post that. Because it was yeah, yeah. so because a lot of when they weren't getting guest stars in like Pharrell here, most of their vocals are extremely processed and sort yeah. of low body sounding. They started off like, with the sort of early eighties that sort of uh, retro then retro style. Then they moved back around. At this point, they sort of cycled back around to their own influences, which were the sort of Maroda-influenced, as I've already covered, also the uh, title song for the children's cartoon, Ulysses 31, the yeah. French-Japanese thing, which just explains their entire career. I'm not kidding you. But, um, yeah, which was basically... What Maroda was doing back then was kind of like... He was building the building blocks of what would become EDM later. Yeah. But because of the limitations of the technology, a lot of the stuff he was doing was with real instruments and real vocals yeah. and that sort of thing. So they've kind of come back around to this. So this is pretty much a dance song, but all the instruments are live instruments yeah. and the vocals are real, you know, Pharrell doing real vocals and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it, it pays off because it kind of works on both levels. Like you can dance to this if you want, but it's, not as sort of irritating and plasticky sounding as a lot of like your Bauer Harlem Shake, for instance, comes yeah. across to someone who doesn't listen to dance music all the time. Yeah, because they're proper dance DJs. They're not like it's like yes. what we saw with yeah. Will I Am when he just went, "I'm going to be, I'm going to be a dance <laughs> DJ now." And it's like, well, this is fucking garbage because <laughs> yeah. you don't really know what you're yeah. doing. So, because it's about yeah, as you said, they probably older stuff was more sample based, and they moved yeah. into live instrumentation. Um, yeah, for, for particularly this album. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing, I guess. You sort of... You, you don't want to do the same thing forever and clearly they, they didn't. This is quite, I guess, a departure musically. So I don't know whether old fans were like, oh, they're fucking... They're, they're, yeah. they're not as dancey as they used to be or something. But I think it was still a big success. I think it was still... Yeah. You know, they still sold a lot. Yeah, you still go see them dress up as robots and be like... Yes. Cool. Yeah. So... The video uh, is not bad. Uh, it's very minimal. Uh, you've probably watched it as yeah. well. The band's just in suits, uh, playing lucite instruments, sort of retro video flare effects on all the that sort of star-shaped lighting effect yeah. that they used to have in the 70s. I don't know if it's just smearing Vaseline all over the lens or whatever. Uh, it's slightly less cool if you imagine them doing it in a green basement for the background overlay sort of screen effect, but never mind. Um, yeah. It uh, won Record of the Year at the Grammys, which meant that, I think, slightly unexpectedly perhaps, when you see what they were up against, uh, which were people like Taylor Swift and so forth, uh, which meant that the robots went up on stage with Pharrell and the band to collect the award, uh, thus revealing a slight design flaw with their 65 grand helmets, e.g. that they can't actually talk in them. Okay. <laughs> so you'd think that for 65 grand you could get a kid's toy vocoder thing in you'd there so, yeah. or a wacky voice effect or that machine from Scream that makes you sound like Matthew Lillard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I guess not. 
Uh, instead, Pharrell, on the spot, uh, just makes up a bunch of shit that they're both thankful for. Uh, the country of France, Nile Rogers, God, and the people. That's it. That's all he can come up with. Right. But he, he, he plays it cool, though. He doesn't get, uh, he doesn't get flustered. Uh, then they won the Grammy for Best Album at the same awards. Uh, producer Paul Williams accepted it on their behalf and thanked the concept of gay marriage. Oh, there you go. As embodied in a not particularly good song by Macklemore, which lost to them. Oh, no. I mean, at least it stopped Macklemore from getting Best Album. Yeah, absolutely. Know, or yeah. Sarah Burrell, whoever the <laughs> fuck that was. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Um, I mean, I know, I know you did like this, but I was wondering, I were you disappointed that it wasn't a forty-five minute long cover of the full album "Get Lucky" by the Choir Boys? Yeah, I was. Yeah, kicking definitely. Off with working for the weekend. Yeah, just... yeah. I, w- I would have preferred that, but yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. Everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's a great track. Um, great album cover too. It's just a giant close-up of an ass in. Uh, pink vinyl yep. pants and then if you look a bit closer you realise oh it's a man's ass <laughs> oh yeah yeah lover boy they were very subversive so <laughs> that's great um, what about the lyrics uh, well the lyrics were never really the point of dark punk songs no. but outside the cycling chorus Pharrell chucks in a few spacey postulates to go with the 70s sort of retro vibe uh, like the legend of the phoenix all ends with beginnings what keeps the planet spinning, the force from the beginning. Now let's go home and do coke off a glass cube in my beanbag only sex pad. I think. Yeah, I think that's it. That was the subtext. But yep. yeah. I think um, you're right. You've got a dancey song. The chorus is so catchy. The verses don't really matter. He could have fucking said anything. No. Thing, and people would have just been waiting for the hooky. Yeah. yeah. You can see he learned a bit from it as well because around about this time too, he had a massive hit with that um, happy, oh, trap yeah. along, with it, which is kind of like a... This sort of Daft Punk song minus their rad yeah. beats, but it has that same sort of looping, dumb chorus that gets permanently lodged in your fucking brain. Exactly. So don't say. Good. I'll say that for Pharrell. He does seem to learn stuff off the people that he works with. He's not oh, no some doubt. guy who inflicts his sound on. No. Whoever he works no. With. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. Cool. All right. Who have we got? Um, next? So sorry, real quick. Nineteen million oh, yeah. for Daft Punk. Um, Nineteen million. It's not bad. Yeah, it's good. There's still, I mean, seven that, million uh, less than Pink, which is not ideal. But they're, they're not a going concern, though. No, no, either, true, so. true. No, um, thirty-two million for Pharrell, which doesn't surprise me. He's got fucking no, hits all he's over on the place. Everything. Um, and that's just him. Like it doesn't even include uh, Neptune. Yeah yeah, 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 nerd or whatever other Neptune. shit he does. Um, this is going to cost you twenty-eight dollars and ninety-one cents. So that's a lot. That actually is a collector's item. Yeah, if I saw this, I'd buy it for sure. Pick that one up. Pick that one up. Good times. All hmm. right. Um, um, up next, it is Pharrell's back. This time he's teaming up with T.I. and Robin Thicke. Um, blurred Lines. Fucking eight weeks. Eight weeks. Oh, uh, yeah. Here we this are. This was a big here bastard. Yeah. Um, Robin Thicke's Rape Anthem, eight weeks at number one. You'd assume that of the two number one collaboration singles that Pharrell was involved with this year, this would be the one he's most proud of, Tom. Oh, I could only think, you know, that it would be, surely. Absolutely. I can't think of any reason why he wouldn't like No, this. no. Now, who's your favourite member of the Thick family? 
Is it Robin Thicke or is it his dad, Alan Thicke? Well, I'm a big fan of Nolene Thicke. Okay. Uh, nobody's ever heard of her because she's not a total cunt. Okay, so she just res- went quietly into the background. Yeah, look, everyone loves Alan Thicke as the dad in The Growing Pains, obviously. Mm. I mean, I know I did. But my favourite work Possibly of his... Possibly my least favourite 80s sitcom, is I have it? to say. <laughs> it might be the most preachy and annoying oh, one, which got... is a pretty fucking high bar. And that it also had that twat who went on to be that... Kurt Cameron. Again, Christian yeah, yeah. nutbag. Yeah. He's, he's got a Christmas film from a few years ago, which is one of the worst, oh, worst man. films I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of bad films, Tom, so there you go. There's a certain wholesomeness line, wholesomeness line with those fucking 80s sitcoms where once they'd crossed this line, you just know that something horrible is going on behind oh, the scenes. No doubt. It's all <laughs> Christian action, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, yeah. So people loved him in Growing Pains, but my favourite work of Alan Thicke is um, as the host of the TV series Animal Miracles. Ah, right. Great show, Tom. <laughs> um, just it, it just follows all kinds of miracles in the mm. animal world. So, for example, <laughs> I just I just selected an episode at random, Tom. Um, a Canadian police dog faces a drunken gunman on a crowded schoolyard. Ooh, wow. So that's great. A um, a young, yeah, drunken a young girl affected with spina bifida forms a strong bond with a. 32-year-old horse. Okay. Um, a manatee is rescued at SeaWorld and, uh, and an ageing English mastiff saves his diabetic owner <laughs> from going into insulin shock. <laughs> so these are the types of things that you get. Alan Thicke just sort of host, tying it all sure. together. And just, a, just a really great, great, great show. Mm. Um, anyway, back to the song though. <laughs> yes. Back to the song itself. This is the first single off uh, Robin Thicke's sixth album. Yeah. Sixth. I had no idea who he really was before this. No, weirdly, I know what you mean, neither did I, but what I sort of subsequently realised was that he had a whole sort of side separate career on the R&B charts. He was like the white rap equivalent of, you know, an R&B success. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I sort of looked at because I I went back through his his discography and checked it out. And yeah, in the sort of R&B and I guess adult R&B charts, he'd had a good... Well, like a decade or longer career yeah, in that sort of five, thing where six albums he I hadn't mean, trouble yeah. with the mainstream charts, but yeah, sort of you're right in that white, sort of like a, a boys to men type, yeah, ensemble, yes. like the white equivalent and of that. I, I wasn't guess wasn't his so. wife, uh, who subsequently left him for reasons that I can't imagine, uh, <laughs> she was connected to that as well. I, I believe think she so, had yeah, an RB adjacent career too. So. Yeah, so look, um, he was obviously popular. The fact that he's working with Pharrell on this suggests that, you know, mm. he obviously had some sort it's of time notoriety. Yep, yeah. for sure. Um, and you'd think uh, Pharrell's probably good friends with Kurt Cameron as well, maybe. So, oh, I would assume so. <laughs> so, just off the back of this, so I don't know. Um, but look, it turns out, as I said, yeah, in, in being involved in music from oh, a young age. So, he started off when he was a teenager. Wow. Okay. Um, and did this R&B stuff. As we said, no one really cares about it as much in Australia as well. So, that's the not other thing. Not since the not 90s, big. no. Yeah. Um, but the thing about... Robin Thicke is that when you think of, you know, a lot of people talk about these things, the great musical What Ifs, Tom. Sure. So, you know, what what springs to mind? Is there anything that springs to mind for you, you know, off the top of your head? You know, I'm sort of thinking about people talk about, <laughs> you know, the Metallica had a bus crash and, uh, yeah. and Cliff Burton, what if he hadn't have died? You know, how would, you know, further Metallica albums have yeah. sounded? What if, you know, the Beach Boys 
had have completed their album Smile back in the 60s mm. rather than sort of, you know, sitting on it for 50 years when they were sort yeah, of doing that. Yeah, if Courtney Lovitz had been the front woman for Faith No More. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> what if Slash had joined Poison? Mm-hmm. So, so so many different musical what ifs that talk Tate, about Tori Amos had stuck with the hair metal band Why Can't Tori Read <laughs> there's all kinds of yeah. crazy crazy what yes. albums that would have come into you know our lives that, that you mm. know we don't have today because of certain yes. collaborations that didn't occur or things that you know should have happened and maybe didn't for whatever reason um, and as you know Tom my favourite hip hop album of all time and it's, it's probably one of yours as well um, I believe <laughs> is uh, One Stop Carnival by Brian Austin Green <laughs> sure. um, the album that single handedly got Megan Fox into bed um, mm. so we all love Brian Austin Green the man who starred in you know he's very well known for one of the finest television series of all time. Of course, I'm talking about the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Tom, <laughs> the Terminator TV show that, that tried to answer that question posed by researchers in robotics or AI ethicists. You know, is it okay for a teenage boy to bang a 20-something cyborg? Mm. So that's sort of what that show posed. Yeah. Did they answer it? They didn't. I'm not really sure. But Brian Austin Green was in that. Great actor, um, but also a great musician. And Brian Austin Green, Tom... Um, the reason I bring him up is because in the early 90s, <laughs> he had a hip-hop group called Think Twice Ooh. with Robin Thicke. Oh, wow. God, they both must have been fairly young. In they, absolutely. Now, sadly, Think Twice never recorded any music <laughs> despite their lofty ambitions and celebrity ah, connections. Yes. So for me, that's probably my big musical what-if. Yes. What, you know, you've got Brian Austin Green, One Stop Carnival, greatest album in hip-hop, some say. Uh, you've got Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines, Magic. What if those two had come together and released a hip-hop album? I can mm. only imagine the one-stop carnival rap with, you know, the lovely, you know, <laughs> R&B touch of Robin Thicke. Could have been sure. the greatest thing of all time. Yeah, it's a bit like that never-finished never uh, subset album that combined... So mix a lot with the president of the USA. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What would it sound like if the guy who wrote Baby Got Back and put him up on the glass uh, had a bit of little blue June buggy mixed into his... Yeah, uh, that's pro- actually, that might almost top this Robin Thicke one, hey? I mean, Robin Thicke <laughs> hey, and Brian Austin Green Hey, I never Austin got Green's to hear good, uh, but... One Stop Carnival, so I don't know, maybe Brian Austin oh. Green... X90210 was the great undiscovered white rapper of the 90s. Oh, I think he was. We'll definitely check that out. But yeah, I forgot about Sir Mixlot and the Presidents. That would that would be very, very good. Sure, you'd think that would have popped in my head when you actually asked me the question. But yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Look, uh, yeah, this was a slightly less well-received Pharrell effort than his work with Daft Punk. Uh, yeah. Although the song's controversy only came a fair bit afterwards. It's worth pointing that out for the benefit of historical record. Before that, this was nominated for Best Song at the Grammys. Uh, Thankfully, Daft Punk shouldered it out of the way. But the same year, the song was also memorably performed at the MTV VMAs in, I understand, uh, I think it's your personal favourite awards show performance of all time. (laughs) Yeah, it is, Tom. Uh, The bit I'd forgotten about was the bit before uh, he appears, which was... Uh, all the Miley t- shit at the start with the giant teddy bears and stuff. Did you? I'd forgotten all that stuff. 
Like most MTV performances, the annoying bit is not the controversy, it's that they're usually crappy, weird, stilted versions yeah. of the actual song to make room for the twerking, the 100-foot teddy bears and pseudo-lesbotic patch-offs. Yeah, look, exactly. So, look, the, the, you're right about that. So they sort of, they tried to get, um, I, I believe it was this song, Blurred Lines, um, and another song of Miley's or Robin. Oh, like, there's they tried several to, others. Several, it's it's, it's like a fucking medley, except they've only got room for about 20 seconds of each song. It's just, yeah. it's it's an overstuffed sausage, you know. Yeah, now look, the thing about the VMA performance is, Tom, that as you, as you mentioned, there's sexually suggestive, suggestive dancing from Miley Cyrus with Robin Thicke and the Foam Finger. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe eventually yeah. she's um, I believe yeah it looks like at one point I think she's trying to stick the foam finger up um, her own vagina <laughs> pretty much immediately um, almost immediately she's um, doing that fucking annoying tongue thing she's that doing, she did yeah. for about four consecutive years she's grinding on um, Robin Thicke's dick I think for a yep. big part and look the thing about the performance is it was controversial um, and I know that I think Miley had probably said something about it, Robin Thicke had said something about it, MT, you know, the VMAs had said something about it, other musicians, media yeah. outlets, parent groups. Everyone seemed to have a sort of a comment about, you know, whether this is the sort of thing we should have on TV for our kids. What, yeah. you know, is any lines been overcrossed? Is it just performance or able, people able to do whatever they want? And all those opinions are, are fine. They're, all, they're, they're fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But for me, Tom... There's only one person that I care about their view, <laughs> and that's a guy by the name of Steve um, Chemler. Uh, he's the only person I care. He might not be a household name, Tom. From listening to our previous episodes, I may be able to guess who this is. He's, he's the inventor of the foam finger, uh, Tom. Yes, I thought it might have been the inventor of the foam finger. I think the... he's basically come up every episode since we've been doing this. One. I think so. Well, well... <laughs> But it's he, good to be keeping his name. He's the, a Thomas Edison figure, and yes. I think more people should know exactly, about Exactly, you know. Um, and you've got to remember, Tom, that it's not like today where you can just walk into Foam World um, no. in Hobart <laughs> and just buy and get foam to make this foam <laughs> finger. You, can, you know, this is the 70s. It's not easy to no, do this. No, that's right. So anyway, so he's the only view that... And I think we've talked about this before, but um, this is what he said, Tom, quote, she took an honourable icon that is seen in sporting venues everywhere and degraded it. <laughs> oh, Fortunately, the foam finger's been around long enough that we'll survive this incident. <laughs> and that's probably fair. I think the foam finger sure. will survive it. <laughs> sure, that's fine. But the performance is still controversial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine looking back at it. What really... I mean, you watch it, it's incredibly tacky. Mm. The song is gross. Yeah. But, like, I mean, compared to even bloody, you know... I mean, Janet Jackson's 0.6 of a second of, you know, half-covered nipple at the Super Bowl behind a billowing cloud of smoke is ridiculous, but at least there was sort of nudity involved. Like, this yeah. is just, yeah, I don't know. I think I think people were just kind of grossed out with it in general. <laughs> just seems... Well, Miley Cyrus at this age, how old was she? Was, was she 20 by this age? Yeah, she, it might have was been. Was she out of teen years? Because Robin thinks like... He must be mid thirties by this stage. Yeah, yes, yeah, and he's married, and she's—I mean, she's not a child at this point. But people were thinking of her, like you know, people still thought of her as Hannah Montana, I guess, and you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, as you said, the controversy around the song is a few things. A, there's this performance where people went, "That's gross." B, people started looking at the lyrics and going, "Oh, wait a minute, is this a bit of a?" Hang on, it's Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana. Yes. Oh, she is. Sorry, I get her and Hillary Duff. The sort of the the blurred lines aspect of the song. Did people initially think it was kind of, "Oh, it's a bit"? This song's a bit fun. They sort of, it's Pharrell 
it's you know it's uh, everyone's yeah. not really listening to the lyrics too closely then people start actually looking at them and going well, oh wait a minute yeah I think I know she wants it <laughs> like, I think maybe like say because he wasn't big yeah like I'm sure before that VMAs most people hadn't seen him before like yep. you say other than this or heard him with this one song outside of the R&B world and then Pharrell sort of bringing him into the limelight and yeah, and then that had that really tacky video as yeah. well, with a different video, but it, I mean, it just it's equally gross. And I think at the time, uh, you know, at first people, the song was a big success. It is very catchy, but but yeah, it didn't have that initial. You know, the people just kind of grumbled about it in some areas, but then it sort of built up to a head, and then doing this incredibly sketchy live version of it, sort of might have, you know, pushed it over the edge. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and look, when uh, because obviously the, the criticism did come out and people were sort of asking, hey, you know, what are these lyrics about? That yeah. It seems to be a little bit kind of like... I mean, I've heard worse. Date rapey. Oh, yeah, of course. So Robin, he clarified Bad timing. This. He yeah. clarified it, fortunately, for his time. <laughs> he said, it's about how she's a good girl, but she wants to be a bad girl. My wife <laughs> is Mrs. Good Girl, but gradually over our marriage... I've turned into a bad girl. I mean, naughty, sexually, yeah. I won't get into too many details out of respect to her. Oh, that's nice. Of but you. she likes it all. <laughs> We've done just about everything. Um, she filed for divorce. You didn't the go into f- too no. many details because no. otherwise you might have just imagined the grossest thing you could think of and then had it confirmed exactly logically. But, um, by that but out of respect for her, he didn't mention the things. She did file for divorce <laughs> the next year, though. So yes. Some people also, uh, second-hand reports did indicate she wasn't hugely impressed with him uh, rubbing his dick on Miley Cyrus's no, ass in front of a that. billion people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, also, maybe she just thought the song was a bunch of shit. That's probably yeah. And also, the model, one of the models in the video, um, Emily uh, Ratajowski. Yes. Sorry, I probably pronounced that incorrectly. Sorry, Emily, if you're listening. Um, she published a memoir where she said that she was, um, I guess... Her, her boobs were cupped by Robin Thicke without sort of any Classy. consent there. So yeah. I think she, she felt... Oh, during the music during video. During the music video. Which features her topless. She's topless, yeah. But she, other exactly. Movies, yeah. She felt like um, she wasn't um, dealt with by Robin as, uh, as a, in yeah. a professional manner. And I think he sort of did some things that he shouldn't have done. Much, so Much like the, the live performance. Uh, if you haven't... I mean, I'm sure most people have seen the video. But if you haven't seen the video... Much like the live performance, it's not so much that it's the worst thing. I mean, it's no smack my bitch up. Yeah. But it's more that it's just kind of perversely tacky. It's just yeah. a concrete... It looks like the fucking Terry Richardson Vice magazine shoot. Oh, in that Jesus. It's a blank concrete wall, overlit, with three fully dressed adult men standing in front of it, next to three half-naked, voiceless, uh, 18-year-old women just topless against the wall why they just ogle them while singing there is nothing else there's no narrative there's no other elements to the story they just stare at their tits for three and a half minutes which combined with the rapiness of the song doesn't doesn't seem that great exactly now Tom you know how we talked about product placement and I assume that product placement has a big part in the budget of a music video. Yeah. So Beats Headphones throws down, put some beats in this fucking music video, gives some cash. Well, 
the record label didn't even pay for this music video. The cognac brand Remy Martin did. Oh, okay. Um, Robin Thicke's a spokesperson for the liquor brand with his wife, <laughs> and apparently they heard the song and went, this is going to be a hit, we'll pay for the whole fucking thing. Sure. Well, I mean, they wouldn't have spent a lot of the music video. No, exactly. Because there's no costumes. No. I mean, literally, in the women's case, you've just got a Klieg light, one camera in a fixed position, and then passing around some bribes to get the girls to get their tits out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, obviously, there's the sketchy nature of the, of the lyrics that uh, put people offside, mm-hmm. which is one controversial element. Shitty and then video. La- shitty video. And then, um, to make matters worse, they were sued for stealing the song. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was the three-hit combo. Yeah. Yep. In March 2015, a Los Angeles jury, jury re- ruled that Blurred Lines infringed the copyright on Marvin Gaye's 1977 hit, Got to Give It Up. Uh, Thick and Williams were originally ordered to pay $7.3 million, but that was later cut to $5.3 million. Now, this has been controversial yeah. since because it opened the door for a bunch of people to start throwing the word interpolated around, uh, which seems to mean not directly lifting a bit of a song, but kind of copying some element of it and using it in a different part of the song played on a different instrument by someone else, which, given the limitations of the physical world we inhabit, means that just about every song can be made to sound similar to another song if you isolate separate parts of them. Yeah. And some people reckon that this has really, you know, had to cast a real shadow over, you know, pop music since. But, you know, hey, either way, they I don't think these two songs sound similar at all. Have no, you listened to them? They I really have. don't. But their case probably wasn't helped when, during the trial, the juxtaposed bass lines of the two songs in question were played to Pharrell and he admitted, it sounds like you're playing the same thing. Doesn't help. (laughs) No, it probably didn't help when earlier, uh, I think in an interview about the song prior to the lawsuit, uh, Robin Thicke said something like, oh, I really wanted to write a... um, I really wanted to write a Marvin Gaye song, you know, which is not the kind of thing that sounds good in a lawsuit. Yep. Uh, in a 2019 interview with Rick Rubin, Pharrell said, I think for the most part, what uh, Chad Hugo and I always tried to do was reverse engineer the songs that did something to us emotionally and figured out where the mechanisms are in there. If we can build a building that doesn't look the same but makes you feel the same way, then... I did that in blurred lines and got myself into trouble. You can't copyright a feeling, which is right, and it hurt my feelings because I would never take anything from anyone and that really set me back. Now, this is the trouble with using Will I Am's patented A to B songwriting. <laughs> I know. Uh, I generally <laughs> advise people not to follow Will I Am's advice on any area of your life for any reason. Uh, as we've established, he's clearly an alien cyborg who crashed on Earth and ended up starting the world's worst band by accident. Yeah. So, not a lot of his life experiences really apply to you, I don't think, yeah. advice wise, but yeah. So I'd, I'd watch you out with the old A-B songwriting method. Oh, that's the, exactly right. Agreed. But I mean, Pharrell makes the point there. I mean, you know, you can't stop people from liking bits of a song, you no. know, or liking the, the vibe of a song and trying to recapture that. I and mean, that, that Daft Punk song, for, that would be nowhere without Giorgio Moroder. Hmm. He, he worked with them on that album, and yet he's not going through his back catalogue desperately trying to find a bass line that sounds like something in the song so he can score a cheap five million. 
Yeah, look, there's only 12 nights in the musical spectrum. You're going to run out of fucking things to do after a while. But uh, the thing with this song, and as you mentioned, Tom, I think with you listen to these two songs back to back, and do they have a similar, quote, feeling? Yeah. Maybe they do. Yeah, absolutely. There's a similar uh, feeling or vibe or something. Mm -hmm. But also, one's from the 70s and one's from the 2010s. The production techniques are very different. Exactly. This is completely contemporary. That sounds very kind of... Fuzzy and lo-fi yep. and 70s, and yeah. So when you listen to them, and and if Pharrell says, this song was inspired by that, you can go, yeah, I can see that, but I certainly don't listen to them and go, oh, that's a direct rip-off of this. No. And that's the problem here, because, it, as you said, it did open up these floodgates where now everyone's just suing everyone because it's like, this bit sounds yeah. a little bit like that. I so. mean, ultimately, what you're getting at with these lawsuits is you're saying, you stole a bit of my work and used it to get success for yourself undeservedly. Yeah. Like, because if you're not saying that, then what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. It's like saying, oh, your my paintings, your paintings got red in it and I've used red, so you yep. owe me money. But if, if you, the only reason for this to be worth anything in a court of law is because you're unjustly taking someone else's work and using it to generate profit for yourself. But if the songs aren't similar, if, if no one's making that association in their head, then... That it doesn't. It's not valid, you know. If, if yep. no one's no one's liking this because it's a Marvin Gaye song, you know. I mean, you could argue something like Vanilla Ice uh, that Ice Ice Baby would not work at all oh. without, the, you know, the, with the under pressure baseline. Yeah, yeah that they the did un- just take yeah. take it and then add of something course, to it. Of course, of course, that's yeah. the main part of that song. I mean, well, if if somebody has to really. Co- Draw your attention to it, then I, I don't know if it's true or not. But, well, know. as um, Steve Chemler said, Tom, he took an honourable icon <laughs> and degraded it. Fortunately, Marvin Gaye has been around long enough, it'll survive this incident. So, um, But yeah, look... Sure, the yeah. song nobody remembers except Marvin Gaye fans will definitely <laughs> survive the B-side of whatever fucking single it's on. Exactly. Um, lyrics? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> this actually made me feel slightly uh, sympathetic for Robin Thicke, believe it or not. The lyrics were mostly written by Pharrell Williams, yep. who denied that it was about sex, instead saying it was about being rejected, uh, possibly because he looks a lot less creepy than Thicke. Yeah. Pharrell somehow avoided copying most of the shit for lyrics like, okay, now he was close, tried to domesticate you, but you're an animal, baby, it's in your nature, or... I know you want it, but you're a good girl. The way you grab me must want to get nasty. Or, I hate these blurred lines. I know you want it. Or, had a bitch, but she ain't as bad as you. So hit me up when you pass through. I'll give you something big enough to tear your ass in two. Or, nothing like your last guy. He too square for you. He don't smack that ass and pull your hair like that. Now, what do you reckon, Ben? Personally, I don't think this is any sketchier than half of modern rap or most rock songs written before 1991, but they don't usually get on TV in a Beetlejuice suit and wave it in your face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Also, having naked, nameless doll women in the video for a song about sexual bar- boundaries would have made Robert Palmer go, Jesus, dude, dial it back a couple of notches. I think so. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's that's the other thing as well. Perhaps they could have, yeah, dialed it back a little bit in the music video. Um, the lyrics are sketchy, but you're right. There's equally sketchy lyrics across the board. Oh, yeah. Kind of signs over time. So, yeah. look... Um, it's weird it, when Americans just 
once a decade they just get all latch onto something moral yeah. quandary yeah, yeah like that point six to the second of half boob you know, yeah it's like really was that the worst thing that happened this year the interesting thing about the lawsuit was though Tom that when they were in the courtroom um, Robin Thicke has a writing credit on this song and he acknowledged in court that he didn't have anything to do with it so, because he was like, I was a bit jealous that Pharrell and, you know, I don't know who the other co-writers are. Basically, I think Pharrell did all the music and, and whatnot and Pretty produced much, and yeah. stuff. And he said, and I was there and I felt jealous. So oh, I, demanded a, I demanded a writing credit on this to say <laughs> I was involved in that. And they said that, yeah, you're a co-writer of the song. But I'll admit that... um yeah, I didn't do anything. Do you reckon that was him trying to get out of trouble? <laughs> maybe, I don't Possibly. know. Or maybe it was just admitting that he didn't really yeah, do anything. Yeah, so, isn't it? Anyway, Robin Thicke's got 5 mil on the Spotify. Um, T.I. has 9 mil. Uh, oh. Pharrell has 32 mil, as we know. I'm not a big... I don't know the T.O.I. story. But... Oh, we could have gone into it, but there was too much to talk about with Robin <laughs> Thicke. Um, this will cost you $2.88. So it's bargain basement mm. prices this year. <laughs> no one wants anything to fucking do with it, I would say. Yes. Um, anything else to say about that? Not really. Kickstarted Emily What's-Her-Face's career, though. So, oh, yeah. You know, it's not like, uh, yeah. All is not lost. Yeah. Um, so up next for uh, one, two, three, four, six weeks... Yes. Um, it's Avicii. Mm. Wake me up with an exclamation mark at yes. the end of that, Tom. Good to see some punctuation coming Yeah. Back. Now, look, I was hoping uh, Avicii for an... featuring Alo Black. Oh, so is there a feature in there this? There is a feature in this. Jesus. Yes. Fucking hell. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I was hoping for an Evan Evanescence cover <laughs> um, with Paul McCoy yes. going, wake me up. I can't wake up. Wake me up. But I didn't get that, so I was a little no. bit disappointed. Um, we did get this, though, which sounds like fucking Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a return to that weird, what was it, early 90s? bluegrass techno <laughs> period <laughs> exactly expect to see a little bit of line dancing yeah. pop up in the video look Avicii um, was from Sweden <laughs> true so you have and he's in the EDM era <laughs> and he's doing a bluegrass fucking thing <laughs> You cannot deny that rednecks weren't a huge influence on his sound. I can't deny, except for the fact that I'd forgotten that they were from Sweden. Yeah, now you point that out, you're right. Look, uh, this song was first introduced at the Ultra Music Festival uh, in Miami, I think, okay. with the live performance of a bluegrass band, which moved this a bit away from the typical EDM spectrum and supposedly confused and angered some of the crowd, possibly the 3% of it who weren't on 8 Bickies at the time. <laughs> yeah. Because when you're on 8 Bickies, bluegrass sounds just as good as everything else. It certainly does. Yeah. Uh, it infuses Irish folk music uh, with house beats using vocals from American soul singer Alo Black. Mike Einziger of Incubus provides acoustic guitar. Mm. Peter Dyer also provides keyboard on the song. So... It is that weird combination of it's kind of like a fucking Mumford and Sons jam <laughs> again, folk music with some pushed Euro into beats. A, a, like a house a arena house thing. It's very odd. It is, yeah. Look, um, so Avicii, not his real name. Um, his influences include Bass Hunter, which explains why this is so bad. <laughs> I don't remember Bass Hunter. Oh, uh, they do a um, they do a Christmas a, a, a Euro dance Christmas cover, which <laughs> has to be heard to be believed. Oh. Oh, wow. I think it's um, yeah. I'll send you the link. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, yeah, Bass Hunter are like one of those sort of. I think late. No, they're sort of, they're like a they're like a poor man's um, sort of ice MC oh, type thing. Okay, so, sure. Real shit. But yeah, uh, yeah. Did you watch the video? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's videos by Mark Seliger and C B Miller. Uh, it posits a post-apocalyptic 
2013 appropriate world where <laughs> Americans live in antebellum existence in rural hovels, even if they're clearly catalogue models hired for techno videos. <laughs> yep. In the abandoned cities, however, among the ruins of civilization, a secret society lives on. Avicii fans recognising each other by their Avicii tattoos <laughs> who gather in giant stadiums to worship at the feet of the great man by dancing to a folk techno fusion and taking photos of each other on their Sony Xperia branded <laughs> smartphones that they charge at the end of the day by, I don't know, plugging them up a horse's ass next to a windmill or something. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, this golden vision of an Avicii ameliorated dystopia failed to come to pass mm -hmm. when in 2018 Avicii committed suicide at age 29. Yeah, which was a bit sad. I know a few people who were quite into him. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, several years before his death, Avicii had struggled with pancreatitis due to excessive drinking. In 2014, he had his gallbladder removed as it had ruptured and he vowed never to drink alcohol again. Avicii also, quote, Frequently overworked by spending more than 60 hours at a time within a studio, as well as performing 220 DJ sets within 260 weeks, which may have led to his unfortunate death. Now, 60 hours in a row sounds like a lot, you know, but how much of that time was he asleep for? You know, yeah. Maybe he had a bed in his studio like Prince did. Yeah, and exactly. 220 DJ sets in 260 weeks. Now, I'm not Captain Trigonometry, but that seems to add up to less than two hours of work per week yeah, for five I years. Know. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying he wasn't sad. I'm just saying let's not compare him to one of those Japanese dudes who goes down from a stress hemorrhage in front of a spreadsheet in yeah. his office aged 42, you know? Exactly right. Exactly. Look, um... I'll skip to the end, Tom, and say he's got 31 million Spotify listeners. So, Fucking hell, yeah. So it is It is definitely sad that um, he wasn't able to overcome his mental health issues and did commit suicide because clearly he has a big fan base. Yeah. And he, there's a lot of people that he enjoys music. Um, and, and I'm not one of them like this song is fucking <laughs> horrible but um, there's a lot of people that do enjoy his work and yeah it's, it, I guess it's sad for him that he wasn't able to you know see I, he yeah. obviously did while he was alive but wasn't able to sort of get the help that he needed so that he could sort of you know, still be alive today and see the impact that he has because, yeah, he does have a lot of listeners on Spotify. It's like a bloody, what we're talking about, Alexander McQueen yep. the other week with Rihanna. I mean, he was 40 or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's so dumb that it barely needs me to say it, but doesn't need me to say it. But this sort of shit really does demonstrate that mental illness exists in a separate thing to, you know, what's actually going on in your life. That, you know, yeah. wealthy beloved super rich people also commit them commit suicide the Absolutely. same way that povo people you know with no one looking after them do yeah it really doesn't matter how many people you've got loving you if you yeah yeah i mean it's, it's not helped i guess by sort of people's still perceptions of like oh that was so successful why you know like they, yeah you know, oh, what have they got to be sad about it's like well it's it's a mental health issue yeah, they don't get to choose in your brain they, yeah. yeah they don't just go oh i'm gonna be happy now because i've got a fucking number one bluegrass techno yeah. hit so i mean with those dj this is like talking about um we we're talking about swedish house mafia last year yep. the fact that he's got 30 million hits on spotify you if you're not in this scene, it can be easy to forget how fucking massive these guys can oh, be. Oh, yeah, definitely. And how like, their, their, whole, their whole job is just standing in front of giant crowds who just worship, you know, them by the trans, transitive power of music, of course, yep. but, you know, other people's music in a lot of cases, but still, you know, and if that's not enough to keep you 
up, then, you know, it clearly has nothing to do with that, does it? Yeah, look, to put it in context, he's got the same number of monthly Spotify listeners as Pharrell. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know how many hits that guy's got. Yeah, a lot. and he's 29, he would have been a multi-millionaire, you know, his job is having people worship him, and yeah, still, that's exactly. not, not enough. What about the lyrics? Uh, yeah, well, unusually, this does have lyrics for a dance song. Uh, Alo Black provides uh, the kind of lyrics you'd expect from someone whose name sounds like a hip-hop shampoo collaboration. <laughs> uh, I tried carrying the weight of the world. Uh, why? Yep, but I only that. have two hands. Hey, me too. Yep. Uh, I hope I get the chance to travel the world. Call Flight Center, probably, I'd say. Yeah, but yeah. I don't have any plans. No, well, forget I said it then. Wish that I could stay forever this young. How old are you, exactly? Mm. Not afraid to close my eyes. I mean, good, I guess. Sure. Life's a game made for everyone. No, it isn't. And love is the prize. Do you mean love is the goal? Because a prize is what you win at the end of a game. In this case, life, as you just stated. So, after you die, you get love. If you win at life by going on a Contiki tour, apparently... I'm a bit confused. I think you're, tr- you're analysing a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why they had that chorus of, what the fuck am I talking about? Wake me up when it's all over. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's enough about Avicii. Yeah, look, um, this is his biggest hit in Australia, but he did yeah. have several other top 10 hits in Australia. No, so. I, I remember he was, so. he was kind of coming up yep. into the mainstream and then just right yep. at that point, he just, you know, vanished. Exactly. So, um, thirty-one million, as I said, and this would cost you seven dollars and twenty-one cents. So there you go. Okay. Um, all right. Up next, Tom, for one, I think only one week. It's uh, <laughs> Jason Derulo featuring Two Chains, "Talk Dirty." Ooh, sadly, not a cover of the Poison song. But, yeah, you know, I wish I'll, it was. I'll put that aside. Take daughter, I wish it was. I wish it was. Look. Um, Jason doesn't say Jason Derulo at the start of the song this time. He has a oh. chick say it for him. Oh, I was going to say, someone said There's a chick, yeah, there's a girl that comes in and goes, Jason Derulo. Unfortunately, so. he doesn't yell his suburban postcode. I was hoping for no. that, but yeah. At least he's sticking with the yelling out his yeah. name. Or now, Tom, I didn't know, I don't know whether you're aware of this, Tom, mm-hmm. um, but I'll let you know. I'm not sure whether you do know. You might do, but I don't know whether we've talked about this before. But um, Derulo operates in two musical modes. Ah, <laughs> explain further. Um, two two musical modes Tommy mm. operates in you may remember this from previous weeks we've talked about his two musical modes positive PG romance dance pop okay and bumping faux crass club thumpers mm. now I don't know why he's got the faux there because either they're crass or they're not crass they're fo- yeah it's not fake crass they are crass <laughs> well, that's like, the thing. for instance this song for know, sure. well that's what I was going to ask I'm assuming is category number 2 well that's that was my question tom the, the title um, certainly does it says dirty talk and so mm. i sent you yeah, i think you're right that this one seems to be a bumping faux crass club thumper yes um so and yeah there's a lot of lyrics that you're obviously going to look at later um but i think uh, if you if you're gonna say this one, apologise. <laughs> no, but he please. does say, um, "I've been around the world. Don't speak the language, but your booty don't need explaining." Mm. So I'm not sure. I think his ass, her ass, doesn't need any explanation. People, yeah. Everyone knows what an ass is. So I mean, some might say if he'd spent longer than twenty seconds on these lyrics, that explaining should have been translating because yeah. that's what he actually means. But never mind. It doesn't really matter. But um, I think that he says that 
he mentions her booty. I think that puts her in <laughs> faux crass club thumper territory, I think. So mm. that's the example. Mm. Um, and also later on in the show, um, Two Chains and Jason are going to have a three-way with a chick in Rio, <laughs> um, if yes. you recall that part of the mm. song. So mm. I think that where Two Chains and Jason are both going to bang a, a Rio chick um, at the same time definitely puts it into bumping faux crass club thumper yes. territory. Um, and I think, yeah, when Jason was talking about this, Jason said... The chorus came to me immediately. <laughs> I channeled my experience touring the world. You don't need to speak the language to communicate. Body language is universal. Mm, mm. Can't argue with that. <laughs> that's true, although in this chorus, it's just the ass that's doing the talking. Yeah. So unless it's an extremely vocal ass, like say she's been on a three-day-long chili con carne yeah. bender, then... You have to imagine that he's inferring some of what the arse is saying. Oh, no doubt. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, look, um, if you forgive me just for a second, uh, I thought it might be time for Tom's educational sidebar corner and discount rug wholesaler. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it will come back around to be relevant, I promise. Uh, a pre-release cover version is when an artist releases a cover of a song before the original artist does. Mm. Now, this usually occurs when an upcoming song receives so much airplay, uh, or receives much airplay despite not yet having been actually released. Now, pre-release cover versions are common in the UK because of the unique situation that songs by big acts get weeks of airplay before being released typically, giving cover artists enough time for session musicians and computer experts to sometimes record a near-exact cover version of the song and then sneak it out before it's been formally released. It's harder to do in America because in America uh, the law states that that an artist owns the rights to release, to decide when their song is released even if it hasn't been actually released, okay. whereas in the UK they don't have that. For example, the UK number one, Talk Dirty, by Jason Derulo, featuring 2 Chains, made number 71 the week before it made number one, with this version, in the form of a pre-release cover version by someone called Select Hits. Oh. Now, usually the original artist's record label will notice the cover version and release the original earlier than they planned to. One example is when Can You Blow My covered Flo Rida's whistle, see what they did there, <laughs> put a bow, and made the top 40 at number 38, causing Aunt Flo's record label to rush release the song midweek mm. in order to pit them at the post. And Avicii's Wake Me Up was intended to be released on 8th of September this year. However, on 15th of July, the official charts company announced that it would be released that week after a group called Spark Production recorded a pre-release cover version and got to 26 on the UK singles chart. And we also talked about how the Spanish Macarena managed to occupy both the number one and number two spots on the ARIA charts here with an original and a cover because Australians who aren't cunning linguists at the best of times couldn't tell the fucking difference and didn't really care either way. So my question is, Ben, you've established fairly thoroughly that the cover version is always better than the original. Correct. Does that apply if the cover version becomes before the original? Is is it a cover version if it comes before the original? I feel like I'd need Einstein's (laughs) input on the space-time continuum to sort of figure out how this would work, Tom, because Mm. there's an element of um, time manipulation here that wouldn't be out of place in sort of a a Christopher Nolan film. But... um, (laughs) Yeah, look, that's a really good question. I dare say that the uh, pre-release cover 
is always better than the original. <laughs> Certainly. I pr- probably should have actually listened to the Select Hits version oh, look, to, to check. But... Select Hits, are, they sound very good. Um, they select only the finest hits, I gather, by their names and, and release them. So I suppose you could make the statement that, given that in all of these cases, the pre-release cover was much lower down the charts than the official yep. one, that mean that says that either you know two weeks is not long enough to work up a convincing facsimile of a song at yeah. the same level of quality as the original, or possibly it just shows that without brand name recognition, a lot of these songs are what some might call hot dog shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and the only reason that they're on the charts is because people go, "Oh, that's Derulo." Yeah, but yeah. Jason Derulo. No. Do you reckon yeah, they that's right. the cover version have said that at the start as well? <laughs> he should start reading out the copyright at the start yeah, as well. I think so. Jason Derulo, trademark 2013. Look, it's it's an interesting idea though, isn't it? That in the UK they'll take a song to radio months before the CD single comes yeah. out and then that gives it's people weird, the time. It? it does seem bizarre. Like it's sort of, <laughs> is it, isn't the whole point like, here's a new single from this person. If you, you can go to the shop and buy it tomorrow, if you like yeah. it. Or something like that. So maybe yeah, it seems pretty a, weird. Maybe it's a sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, mutually beneficial relationship with the radio stations where if the single's not out, then people have to listen to it on the radio. Yeah, that's So true. they tune in to hear it, but they can't just listen to it at home, or they couldn't before the invention of digital downloads. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the single gets promo. It gets free promotion from the radio stations and stuff. Maybe exactly. It I, does seem weird, though. It seems weird that you don't legally own it until it's been released, you know. <laughs> yeah. Seems completely bizarre. Look, um... So this the song itself. Um, there's a saxophone sample in the chorus, which is actually pretty mm-hmm. catchy. Um, and that's the best the, thing about it, the song. It is the only, totally. the only good thing about it, to be honest. But that sort of comes in, and that's kind of the chorus in itself because the actual chorus uh, lyrically is just Jason Delaro sort of talk like speaking, saying "talk dirty to me." That's yeah. it. So it's really the, the saxophone part is the hook that gets the kids involved. I would dare say. Yes, it reminded me quite a bit of getting jiggy with it. Yeah. By which which features a sing a similar thing where he says get with it. Yeah, exactly. And the sample. I mean, as you say, pretty much this whole song is a sample from Hermetico by Balkan Beatbox. Now the Balkans aren't an area that I traditionally associate with dance-infused hip hop, so much as religiously inspired massacres and Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. But clearly they hold a special place in the heart of Jason Derulo. I mean, you've been there, Ben. What do you think that he he what brings the music out of him so much about the Balkans? Oh, look, I think Jason, um, he's just a man of the world, isn't he? Um, True. He, he does identify that um, even if you don't speak the language, your booty don't need explaining. That's and true. that And that body language is the international language. So I think Jason just pulls from everywhere, Tom. He, he'll go, he'll travel the world. The Balkans, he loves mm. it. Um, I'm sure, you know, he'll, he'll go to Pakistan. Um Uzbekistan, all sure. of them, South America, all over the world. And I think he would just, you know, pull the little bit of musical influences mm. that he likes, wraps it up in the Delulo package, and then say to himself, is this going to be a positive PG romance dance pop, <laughs> or is this going to be a bumping Focrass club thumper? Mm. But within those two musical modes, yes. he can put any influence he wants in there, I think. That's, <laughs> That's the beauty true. of Derulo. Much like Flo Rida, he's a man of the world. 
Oh, absolutely right. Him and uh, Mr. Worldwide himself, <laughs> Pitbull, I think. Um, this this has got some great lyrics, Tom. Oh, look. Uh, at the drive-in in the old man's Ford, behind the bushes <laughs> till I'm screaming for more. Oh, sorry, that was the poison yeah. version of the song. Where are we? Uh, uh, yes, like, after listening to the song, some might say, Hey, Derulo, why are you giving 2 chains a title credit? Yep. He does fuck all on this song, which you mostly nicked from another song anyway, again. And Derulo would reply that when you're making a bumping faux crass club thumper, it's all about quality, not quantity. Yeah, it you is, know. Yeah. Two chains, like old dirty Chinese restaurant before him, knows how to say a lot with a little. Uh, Dos Cast Dos Cadenas, close to genius, sold out arenas, you can suck my penis. Gilbert Arenas, <laughs> guns on deck, chest to chest, tongue on neck, international oral sex, every picture I take, I pose a threat. Bought a jet, what do you expect? Her pussy so good, I bought her a pet. <laughs> Not sure how you can perform oral sex with your chests pressed together or whether the international oral sex refers to blowing someone from another country or blowing someone on a plane or possibly both. Yep. But I will say that this is the first time we've heard the lyric you can suck my penis in a number one song. <laughs> And he rhymed it with genius. So credit where credit's due, Ben. Fucking no? credit where credit's due, absolutely. Now, look, um, the, the thing is that as Flo Rider has taught us with his two blowjob anthems, um, <laughs> you know, round and round when you go down, when you go down, mm. and then the other one of just him, like, blow my whistle and, you know, the whistling yep. bit, is that Flo Rider's used up all the good blowjob <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> Yes. He's used he them all gonna, up. He was going to run out eventually. So and this is the point where he officially ran We've out. run out. So that's the thing. So Delarulo's like, I need a blowjob metaphor. What have you got for me? Two chains. And he's just like, what about, mm. you know, spin you around when you go down? He's like, fucking flow rider. What about a whistle? Blow the whistle. And he's yeah, like, no, we've fucking, had seven he's of those done already. it. Yep. He's done it. You know, flow riders got in there before us. And he said, what about, what if I just cut the metaphor and just go straight in for you can suck my penis mm. and Derulo's like done look done yeah so, you know what the irony is though what's that uh, shortly afterwards this year he woke up at 3am and realised that he'd come up with another metaphor that he hadn't thought of and he could have used already here but yeah we'll have to wait to see what we'll that discover is. that later yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of sucking penis what's yep. up next <laughs> <laughs> It is, uh, sorry, real quick, oh, yeah, um, 34 sure. mil for Delarulo, that's a lot. 10 million for two chains, this will cost you $3.90. 2 million for two chains? Yeah, okay. yeah, all off the back of this one, I think, Tom. It's, um, it's Katy Perry, raw. Wow, for nine weeks, that's the oh, biggest, the yeah, longest one this year, long beating out time. even uh, bloody Macklemore. Now... Um, the chorus to this, everyone knows it, you know, I've got the eye of the tiger, mm. you're going to hear me roar. Yep. Um, this song just makes me want to listen to Eye of the Tiger yeah. or watch Rocky 3. Or do pretty much anything else. Or do else, yeah. anything else. This was, uh, yeah, the lead single off Katy Perry's fourth studio album, Prism. Yeah. The song deviates from the electro-pop sound on Teenage Dream in exchange for sort of mid-tempo pop rock trying for that anthemic empowerment vibe that Lady Gaga, Pink and Rihanna all want, which is why Max Martin can now afford to buy the continent of Asia. Oh, can't he just... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look, um, copyright infringement is weird, isn't it, Tom? Because yeah, Because Marvin Gaye's estate picked up some serious cash, $5.3 million, for something that had a similar, quote, feeling... Yes. ...to another song. Um... 
But here, Perry takes the actual lyrics from Eye of the Tiger, <laughs> yeah. and that's okay. Like, Apparently did so, Survivor yeah. not say, oh, wait a minute, she's using the term Eye of the Tiger, hmm. which is clearly a reference to the song Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. She did a song you know, called California Girls, for fuck's sake. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I don't know. I don't know about Katie. I feel like um, yeah, if, getting, I, was, if I was in Survivor, I would, have, I would have taken this to court and picked up a few mil. Is it for... possible that she's escaped uh, legal action because nobody wants to go into court and say that this that Katy Perry song <laughs> reminds them of something they did? Yeah. People would be like, oh, yeah, it might be. Oh, <laughs> yeah, fuck, actually, keep that to degrade your own song. <laughs> People are like, right. what? Are you saying, oh, shit, your song is a rip off of that fuck that so they're getting angry about it and then the lawyer says yep. you realise they're going to play both of these next to each other in court and they're like, never oh, mind fuck. and hang up and, yeah. so look this is another empowerment song I think you know she, yeah, she's all like empowered about it's like that firework one post this is, post post girl power this thing is, this is worse than the firework one mm. look it was written um she said that she wrote this about moving forward into the next stage of her life after um, what I considered to be at the time the marriage least likely to survive <laughs> more than two years. Hers and Russell oh, Brands. Yeah, um, right. When that ended, I don't think anyone was surprised. I was no. surprised they got married in the first place. So she said, quote, bit of a self-empowerment type of song. I wrote it because I was sick of keeping all these feelings inside and not speaking up for myself, which caused a lot of resentment. Obviously, I've been through a lot of therapy since my last record, and this is what it's about. So there you go. So look, she got married to some dude that clearly wasn't going to work out, and then they split up. And then no, yeah, they great. both helped each other's careers. Presumably, had a lot of young, hot person sex, yep. and, and she got this song out of it. So yeah. look, as you said, this is another Max Martin one. Um, no surprises. What he no. had to say about this, Tom, Max Martin. Uh, <laughs> he said, when pop culture can influence things in a way, when a song becomes something bigger than just a song, <laughs> that's the greatest thing for me. I saw the video where the whole staff of a children's hospital sang "Raw." And it was a reminder for me. I have a tendency to belittle what I do. Not in this interview. I think you know. it's a consequence of trying to keep the ego in check. I go, what the fuck are we doing all day when others are working for equality, Syria, battling cancer? But then something like this happens. A song finds its way outside the studio and comes to really mean something to the people. It's not every time that I'm proud of a tune, but I am when it comes to a song like Raw. So, Tom... Just remember that when Max Martin's sitting in the studio, tinkering away, writing songs like Raw, the empowerment song for Katy Perry, he's effectively doing the same work as a cancer researcher. Sure. Well, I mean, he could have taken the money that he got for this song, which I'm assuming was in the eight-figure bracket, <laughs> and sent it to Syria. Perhaps they could have afforded to buy some gas masks for the children yep. over there. Anyway, look, ironically, given that, this might be the most AI-generated sounding song we've covered since I Kissed a Girl, I think, which isn't much of a shock because it no. was written by Dr. Luke and Perry's longtime friend, Bonnie McKee, both of whom wrote Kay Perry's other hits, number one hits, Teenage Dream, California Girls, and Last Friday Night, TGIF, which don't sound so much like jukebox bangers as bangers that were put together by the jukebox, which has attained sentience, but only has a reference of the 90 songs that were already contained in it. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I don't know what to say about this. It's just, like, it's piss weak even by the Katy Perry standards, you know. Yep. It just sounds like it was written to formula for, not even her, just for any female artist that wanted to pay the most money for a song where they get to sing a chorus 
that sounds vaguely anthemic, but isn't really, and again, vaguely empowering, but isn't really, yeah. Fucking well, Max yeah. Martin wrote it to save lives, Tom. Um, true, is, that's true. And it did. I'm I glad it like. lifted his spirits. It did, know. yeah, definitely. Knowing that um, that he <laughs> is effectively working at the same level as, um, you know, cancer researchers, people working for Equality, Syria, doctors, etc., etc. That's right. Now, the music video for this um, <laughs> is her surviving a plane crash, mm-hmm. and then she ends up in the jungle. Yep. Um, and look, I think the reason they did that is because, um, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but, uh, they have tigers in the jungle ah. and tigers roar. Oh, and that's in, like and, the name of the song. And though. in the lyrics, ah. she says she's got the eye of the okay. tiger and she, and she, <laughs> and the song's called Roar. So I figure that they said, wouldn't it be great? if you could somehow be in the jungle for this. So yes. they've done that. So she's in the jungle I thought it was a with all the raw stuff. So oh, it's, okay. it's, um, <laughs> it's very creative, I think. Very, very good. Mm. Um, in one part, um, she gets hosed off by an <laughs> elephant spitting water out of the trunk. Yes. Um, had to double check Michael Bay wasn't directing this for a second. He does love some spraying cans with water, but um, <laughs> alas, he didn't do that. And then she does some Jane of the Jungle shit. Yeah, I think um, it was possibly the most organic... Uh, shit getting hosed off by a jet of water action that I've seen since uh, The Golden Child starring uh, Eddie Murphy where I believe at one point Tia Carrera's just walking down a hallway wearing a white shirt and just a ninja punches a hole in the wall which causes a totally normal just hose to come through the wall and just squirt her cans with yep. cold water. I think they're underground at this point in an ancient Chinese temple or something. <laughs> You know, that is one of those things you have to look out for when you're trying to save a mythical golden child in a Chinese temple is getting your cans all wet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, to me, to me, the video looks like a big budget version of Dr. Jones by Aqua. It does. Uh, which would be sad and derivative if this was 1997. Now it's sad, derivative and 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, my question to you is, do you prefer this or her menu log song? Oh. I think the original was 18 minutes long, so you've got a lot of gold to choose from there. This The menu log song is possibly better than this, um, <laughs> but it's a low bar to get over. Yeah, so. I know. I'll say that it's more visually inventive in the video. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, I... Yeah, but the menu log song isn't as good as um, Swish Swish Bish, a uh, uh, basketball song. God, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just... haven't heard that. And, uh, and Bon Appetit, talk... where yeah. she's getting eaten out by the Migos. So every it's not as good you, as that. Every time we talk about Katy Perry, you bring that up and I make a <laughs> mental note to watch it and then I remember that it's Katy Perry and I'll have to listen to the song. Yeah, 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 definitely. This is boring as hell and again, it's weirdly sexless given that she's half naked for the whole thing. It's a special talent that you learn at Christian pop music summer camp, apparently, is how to be mm. half naked and yet about as sexual as a toothbrush. It's very strange, but, you know. Hey. This is one of her worst songs. I'm surprised it's, it was number one for nine weeks. It's yeah, pretty boring. It's, it's just, just like... so manufactured. And I know that sounds redundant when you're talking about number one aria hits, but, like, you know, yeah. even you can imagine Rihanna singing this exact same song, but then giving it a bit of something. You know, a little bit of fucking curry, but yeah. uh, she well, she'd be she'd be dressed in a military outfit or um, <laughs> I don't know bondage gear or something yeah, like that. Well, I'm not managed sure. to imply that it was about S and M or something, exactly just by right. force of personality. But yep. look, 
Yeah, lyrically. She probably changed the lyrics to rather than I've got the eye of the tiger, I've got the arse of a tiger or something. Because she gives it a bit of sexual sexual nature. So. Yeah, she'd bring in pegging again somehow. <laughs> she would, definitely. <laughs> but, uh, lyrically, this is credited to Dr. Luke again. Uh, Circuit, which is Dr. Luke's right-hand man. He's a busy guy. Circuit? <laughs> Circuit spelled C-I-R-K-U-T. Uh, no, I don't believe we have. Okay, don't uh, need to. Bonnie McKee again, Max yep. Martin again, and Katy Perry. There is nothing interesting enough in these lyrics to even mention. It's just a list of cliches pinched from older music and Kmart inspirational posters. As you say, the, the refrain is just the eye of the tiger, which is from another better song. Yep. I think the most apt thing I can say about this is that it's called Raw, but at no point does the singer even bother trying to roar because her voice isn't up to it. No. It would be too interesting. Yep. <laughs> it should have done a, they should have done a roar. And a roar. Yeah, or something. Right. Or a, yeah, fucking, I don't know. Anyway. Didn't, they didn't even bother doing that, which no. is fucking terrible, yeah. Um, do you think... Uh, this gets played in many hospitals and brings people back from close to death, do you think? <laughs> As Max Martin intended, do you think? Sort of Maybe if you were playing it on a tape player next to them just out of finger reach with the stop button, they might, you know, suddenly <laughs> develop muscle motion. Get out of a coma to, to switch it off. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. Um, 44 mil for Katy Perry. That's fucking loads. This is going to cost you $21.67, which I find completely... Hard to believe, but there you go. Yeah. Um, Discogs doesn't lie. Anything else to say about this, Tom? No, let's move on to let's something move, with a bit of... Something with a bit of class, yeah. finally. Oh, fuck, it's red food. Let's get ridiculous. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God, the world was crying out for the party rock fucksticks to go solo, Ben, and Uncle Red Food delivers here. Uh, yeah. Look, just when you thought you'd heard the last of the annoying to even say aloud LMFAO, they're yeah. back, well, half of them is. Anyway. Yeah, well, the demise of LMFAO unfortunately resulted in a Red Foo solo career something that I was about excited about as an LMFAO reunion mm. so possibly only a Black Eyed Peas demise and the promise of four shit solo albums <laughs> released simultaneously is less inspiring than this um, it sounds like a child wrote this as well when yeah. you listen to every like the music the lyrics everything about it I'm like <laughs> 12 year old get involved in this I'm not really sure um, what can you tell me about this? I was just going to ask, uh, yep. what do you think is Red Foo's idea of ridiculous? Well, that's the problem. Um, the song doesn't seem, does it, does it seem that ridiculous no. to you? According to the song, it seems to involve wearing brightly coloured clothes. Yeah. As he points out in the lyrics of his own song, giant stupid glasses that don't even have glass in them. He doesn't need yep. glasses. He's just wearing idiot glasses and just being a general cocksnap. Yeah. That doesn't sound ridiculous so much as it sounds like being in the Wiggles who are frankly above this song on pretty much every level, really. Yeah, it, is wearing whack clothes, does that make you ridiculous? I wouldn't have thought so. It no, looks ridiculous. It just but... makes you a tool. Yeah. Look, Truly. Weirdly, Tom, this is somehow worse than the LMFAO material that um, we talked about in the last couple of weeks. It's bonkers. So that it? suggests that um, Sky Blue must have been conducting <laughs> some sort of quality control yes. on the LMFAO and material. Again, as we pointed out before, Sky Blue was the younger one. Yeah, yeah. Red Fruit is the guy's uncle. Yeah, exactly. So his nephew was actually keeping his. I know, yeah. uncle in check. Yeah, yeah, I can't say how much you know quality control Sky Blue was doing, but certainly some because apparently so. This is yeah. uh, this is no good. Um, Look, um, the yeah. song, I'll give the song one award. Yeah, I'm happy please. to hand this out. Uh, it gets the Sunglasses at Night World's Biggest Sellout Award, I would say, <laughs> for the video to this bundle of prolapsed anus. Uh, product placement includes. Oh yeah. <clears throat> 
Lafreak Streetwear, Beats by Dre Headphones, Fentiman's Cherry Tree Cherry Cola, Samsung brand smartwatches, Samsung brand phones, Slurpee brand frozen drinks, and Let's Get Ridiculous brand t-shirts. Yep. There's a lot of product placements. Yeah. Um, it's filmed at Manly Beach. Yep. Which means you get to see Chemist Warehouse and Hungry Jacks in the background. <laughs> That's about the most interesting thing that happens in the video. Plus, it's been a long time since I've seen a Benny Hill chase montage oh, or yeah. a gay panic CPR joke in a music video. <laughs> but not even that can save this sort of... It's like a sub-Olivia Newton-John physical level video, you know. Oh, absolutely. So, somewhere underneath all the shtick is a sort of half-danceable club song with a couple of fun breakdowns. But they're buried under so much party rock bullshit that I don't know why you would bother. Just listen to the original Harlem Shake again instead. It's yeah, yeah, that wasn't great, but it's better than this. Um, look, I don't have too much more to say about this other than um, you no. know where this was a hit, Tom. God, where? Nowhere, apart from Australia. Oh, for fuck's sake! It was a number one hit here, and outside of Australia, um, I don't think it even reached like top ten or twenty anywhere else God in the world. There's something about Red Foo's party rock shtick that uh, appeals to Australians for some reason. So I'm not sure what it is. Maybe oh, he's, he's got wacky clothes. Love that guy. He's just on holiday in fucking Manly, and then he thought, you know, I can ring another fucking number one out of these dipshits. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe exactly. he heard his fifth. Black Eyed Peas radio play that afternoon and was like, these guys will fucking go for anything. Yeah, that's absolutely (laughs) right. Clearly they've got very low standards. Yeah, he definitely didn't get ridiculous enough for my liking. No. um, Red Foo Solo, he's got a million listeners. This is going to cost you $7.16. Great lyrics, Tom. Hit them. Hit me. Oh, look, like all his songs, 90% is just repeating the title with woo-woo in between. Or heavily auto-tuned as well. Yes. Uh, He does briefly pause to say, all the time I be seeing you at school and you so fine, I just had to play it cool. Which, given that he's 38 at this point, clearly indicates that Redfoo's been hanging around primary school playgrounds with binoculars and needs to be locked away. I'd say so, yeah, for Mm. sure. Absolutely right. Um, I think it was probably about this time that we mentioned this the other week, that guy uh, threw a glass at Redfoo's head. So. Yes, and the more of him you see, the more you start to empathise with the glass thrower, quite well, that's, frankly. That's the thing. I think the more songs that he releases, the less chance the thrower has of being convicted because there's more <laughs> evidence for the yes. judge to look at and go, I tell you what, I think you were provoked. I think it was sort of more... The glass was more self-defence than yeah, anything, I would suggest. Truly. So. Um, so one week for that. Then after that, there was another one, another couple of fucking weeks of Raw from, from Katy Perry. People seem to love the shit out of that. Nine weeks total, as you mentioned. Um, and then we're on to 4th of November. Danny Im, alive. Wow. Ooh. What's uh, Axel suggesting here? Oh, uh, Tom, it's uh, more tepid bullshit from DNA songs for a start. And uh, mm. Dummy is the... Um, look, I guess I'd be fair to say this, Tom. Correct me if I'm wrong. Australia's most popular Korean-Australian X Factor winner who subsequently <laughs> represented Australia in Eurovision of all time. Oh, she's definitely up there, I'd say. For yes. sure. So, Sorry, it's Dammy, isn't it? Dammy. Yeah, Dammy. Not Dammy. Danny. Dammy. You, you want to say Danny, but yep. it's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you played the uh, Axel because she yeah, she won X Factor this yep. year. Yeah. So, there you go. Absolutely. And speaking of awards, uh, mm. let's give Dammy the least original title of the decade to date oh, for this yeah. one. Uh, Wikipedia alone lists 54 different non-cover songs just called Alive. 
not to mention 31 different albums, four EPs, at least two international tours and a Meshuggah concert video, <laughs> all called Alive. The songs alone include Beastie Boys, Bee Gees, S Club 7, P.O.D., J-Lo, Cheap Trick, Daft Punk, Corn, Meatloaf, Oasis and Goldfrap, and all of those came out before this did. It's also just a fucking stupid name that conveys absolutely nothing whatsoever. If you want to convey the bare minimum distance between you and a rock, at least call your song something more original like currently breathing or metabolizing mcdonald's into turds or yep. something like that i mean for christ's sake i don't know what else to say about that alive yeah. it's like calling your song love yeah it's fucking stupid um song itself is pretty bland but it, i don't really expect much more when someone says you're sorry x yep. factor winner it's written by dna songs yep. you know it's going to be the most you know ai produced yeah. blandest bullshit that's just like exactly. let's just get it out there and it'll be number one off the yeah. basis that the winner from X Factor is going to see even compared to the earlier reality TV show irritating crap we were doing from the start of the aughts yeah. in the last five years apparently they've just gone fuck paying singer songwriters will just use DNA songs yeah. so so the last five years they have all been li- quite directly written by the same couple of dudes Yep. You know, so apart from the fact that they all sound the same before that anyway, now they are straightforwardly written by the same people. Oh, absolutely. It's terrible. So, yeah. Absolutely terrible. So, now, look, um, what do we know about Dummy? She won, we know she won The X Factor. Mm-hmm. We know that she did Eurovision. Are you going to talk about Eurovision a bit later? Um, say about Eurovision? No, not really. You, you tell me about Eurovision. It was a bit of a mystery to me, this. Well, look. The thing about Eurovision, Tom, is that it's uh, the premier song contest for countries uh, that are part of Europe. Mm. Occasionally, mm. They, they stray from the course. I know Morocco's performed there before. But look, Morocco, uh, they're just a, a, a short boat trip away yes. from the very tip of Spain, aren't they? For um, any Americans listening, by the way, Australia is not actually part no, of not, the continent Europe. of Europe. No, that's, um, that's Austria you're thinking yeah. of, where Arnie comes from. They let, uh, I think they let Azerbaijan in there. Look, all the places <laughs> that, they, that aren't technically in Europe that they let go in Eurovision they're at least they're close Shouting they're geographically yeah. close Australia's on the other side of the world but for whatever reason um, <laughs> in five or six years ago I think they just let Australia be in Eurovision we <laughs> said we want to be in Eurovision they went you're fucking nowhere near Europe but you can be in Eurovision so they did I mean that. we are technically still a colony of England yeah so that's, that's close enough I guess <laughs> fuck God I so anyway Dami represented Australia in Eurovision and she came second Mm. when she performed so almost won um, it's, it's safe to say Australia's never won Eurovision before but she got very very close so uh, yeah so that's what we know about Dami yep. Eurovision this song X Factor winner and she's a foodie Tom uh. she's a big foodie she loves food she loves all the f- different foods, all the different types of foods they've got. She loves them all. She's a big foodie, loves all the foods. And she's Korean, as, a, as we mentioned. She sure. was born in Korea. Her family moved over to Australia. So she's a Korean Australian, loves food. She's a big foodie. But don't worry, she doesn't fall into any of the typical stereotypes, Tom. Um, her favorite food is Korean fried chicken. <laughs> wow, that's like a joke from Kath and Kim, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but I mean, shout out to Danny for keeping it relatable, I yeah. guess. Also, nobody's fooled. The answer is obviously kimchi. They take fucking baths in that stuff over there. It's obviously the nation's favourite food group. So, yeah. Yeah, but her favourite food, as she's quoted as saying, is <laughs> Korean fried chicken. So I um, think she's just... You think she's lying? I think she's just hoping for a gammy chicken slash nene yeah, chicken she, sponsorship. Yeah, I think she is, definitely. I think there's 17 different Korean fried chicken branches on this block yep. alone. So, 
exactly, exactly. So I was very surprised to hear that when she said, but no, no, that's Anything it. And that's that puts more fried chicken into the world is good with me. Yeah. So I found it quite relatable as well when she yes. said that was her favorite <laughs> food. So no, I was, I was totally on board with that, but uh, I just sort of, I just found it interesting because I'm just like, oh, she's a foodie. <laughs> it's not going to be a cliche Korean thing, sure. is it? And it's like, it's probably like you meet a Japanese person. What's your favorite food? And they go, oh, I just love sushi. It's like, yeah. okay, or something enough. you've never heard of, you know, oh, my yep. mum makes this amazing thing. You can't get it over here. Yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, maybe she's thinking that when her career gives out, you know, not that I'm saying that an X Factor career person's career <laughs> no. might dwindle away to nothing, but should that happen, she might be able to get a job on YouTube doing mukbang. Oh. <laughs> you familiar with mukbang? Just crushing Just, as much food as physically yeah, possible. Yeah, it seems to be a bit very popular with the Korean styles of food where you just, it's like unboxing, except instead of a surprise present being opened, it's just someone stuffing food into their face. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Unless these Gen Z are onto another level and have gone invested in their smartphones so heavily that they're now able to actually taste food through their phone. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, I don't get watching a lot of food stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, but anyway, people love it. Um, look, so Dami, she's an ardent supporter of Compassion Australia after Eurovision 2016. Um, many in the industry advised her not to do this oh, really? but she went to visit her 8th sponsor child in Uganda so oh, okay. she's got 8 eight sponsor children um, during the trip Dami hosted a concert for 200 children in Uganda and it was live broadcast on Facebook mm. she said her trip to Uganda was grounding to her and gives her purpose for what she does in her life and work now that's all good and well, but do you think those kids in Uganda give a flying fuck about someone from X Factor Australia <laughs> coming over and singing some bullshit? I'd say fuck no. Mm. They'd be a lot happier if I flew them in some zingers. That's something they'd remember for life, I dare say. Yeah, maybe she brought a few buckets of nanachi. She might have, yeah, exactly. It is her favourite food. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, it seems a bit self-indulgent to sort of go, I'm yeah, going to meet my sponsor children, I'm going to sing them some songs. And then broadcast it all on Facebook. I don't know. I don't think those kids care. Yeah, maybe not. Look, um, she performed this song at the closing ceremony of the 2018 Commonwealth Games, Mm. um, so you know it's good. Um, Just, you know, they don't let anyone do that. Yeah. You know, you have to be a big star. I can't recall, you know, John Stevens being allowed to play Hot Chili Woman at the closing of the Commonwealth Games. The next Commonwealth Games, Tom, is it's actually back in Victoria. Uh, in oh, really? four years' time, 2026, um, in the regions. I think it's going to be in Bendigo and, um, because no capital city wants it anymore. Um, and if they're not getting Roxas to perform Bad Boys at the closing mm. ceremony, then there's something seriously wrong with the organisers. Is that the, the one where they drive in on the front of a semi-trailer at the start um, and then jump off the back? <laughs> I think it might be. Doing leg stretches and yeah. hamstring. Yeah. That is a, it's a great song, yeah. yeah. I know. Every time I think we're done with the X-Factor twats, another one pops up. Yeah, exactly. Smack down. It's like playing whack-a-mole with human turds. It's vaguely satisfying, yet I feel somehow soiled afterwards. Yeah. I suppose, unlike a lot of X-Factor winners, Danny can sing pretty well. She can, yeah. As her placing on Eurovision demonstrates. You know, they do have novelty songs, but generally there is an element of actual musical talent involved. But that still doesn't magically join Wagga Wagga to Finland. No. So, not sure what she's doing there. I get the feeling at first that... Eurovision was somehow flattered that an entire continent was desperate to become part of it. Yeah. And then they sort of humoured us for a couple of years and then, you know, they got a bit of the old overdose of Guy Sebastian and (laughs) now they'd rather if we just stuck to watching it and getting high ratings as opposed to 
actually Chucky be in it. Yeah, yeah, whatever fucking X Factor winners we've got crawling out of the woodwork. Exactly. Um, lyrics. Uh, I'm coming out from the shadows, shooting straight like an arrow. Ain't nothing gonna slow me down. Slow me down, yeah. I'm gonna flow like a cool breeze, stand taller than a palm tree. Ain't nothing gonna cut me down. Ah, sorry, just kidding. Those are actually lyrics from the Katy Perry song Raw, which is essentially identical to this song. If you swap a few notes, drop the production budget 80% and substitute the word alive with the word raw, I'm just kidding again. This is actually the song alive, or is it? Perhaps it isn't. Or is it the only way to tell would be for you to carefully listen to both songs? Yep. So, you know, off you go and do that. I'll wait. Yeah, this is unmemorable as hell. Um, Dami has 170,000 Spotify listeners. Fantastic. Um, there's none for sale mm. on Discogs and it's never been sold. <laughs> um, five people have it in their want list that time. <laughs> So, oh, I thought there'd be some sort find, of X Factor compilation. If you find a CD single I mean, of this, now that's um, what I call Eurovision or something. Five five people are prepared to take it off your hands <laughs> sure. if the price is right, Tom. Um, so yeah, just one week of that. Up next is um, oh fucking oath. It's Taylor Henderson. Borrow my heart. Axel, we just oh no, it's another one, is it? Oh, yeah, good heavens. Now look, credit where credit's due, Dami did win the X Factor. Yes. So, so congratulations to her. Uh, this cunt's just the runner-up. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is some more folk revival oh, dog God, shit I from know. an X Factor runner-up. Nobody, and I mean nobody, should be listening to this. No. Look, I'm already biased against this song because, like you, I really don't like folk pop in most cases. Uh, for me, folk music is a, it's like anime scat porn, you know? Sometimes it gets the job done in isolation, but as soon as you start combining it with other genres, you run into trouble, you know? <laughs> Mumford and Sons can ride their rag and bone cart off a short jetty as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they can fuck off. Yeah, yeah. as such, I'd call this Piss Week Strumathon not worse than their average B-side or from Passenger earlier this year. Yeah. Like, it's less complex, but it's also shorter. And it's also less of a self-pitying tug fest than that one. It's, yeah. Yeah, look, Taylor Henderson, at least he's not going the Mumford and Sons route and dressing like an 1800s farmer. Like he's no. Sort of, he's not, he hasn't gone full bullshit. No, but, um, they've just pinched the style as opposed to the actual... Yeah. The Likewise, yeah. the video doesn't look like it. So, yeah, look, so he placed third on Australia's Got Talent in 2010, oh, yeah. Tom. And then decided to have another go at it 2013 on the X Factor. Now, I think it should be possible for the High Court of Australia <laughs> to issue an injunction that prevents people from appearing on multiple talent shows as nobody needs this, I dare suggest. No, really. Now, Australia's Got Talent, um, a show whose title should be punctuated with a question mark. Uh, his audition there was with his father, Tom, who performed under the moniker Father and Son. Oh, God almighty. Now, the lack of creativity in their duo title should be a clue as to the blandness of their music. Yep. They did choose to cover the Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror, um, which is a song about a man having a conversation with himself about if he should stop sexually abusing children or not. So it's a questionable choice to begin with <laughs> from the father and son. Mm. Uh, anyway, the dudes that were uh, judges on Australia's Got Talent said... Maybe you guys should not perform together anymore. Um, so I was hoping that would mean that they would be kicked out of the show, possibly mm. kicked out of the country, extradited <laughs> to somewhere overseas. But alas, uh, he was able to continue performing by himself 
could only make it to third in mm. Australia's Got Talent. Wow. But then here we are, three years later, he gave this a second shot. Mm. Now, um, look, on a positive note, the folk revival has really died down, meaning that, you know, there's nobody looking for a poor man's Mumford and Sons and Passenger anymore and thinking to themselves, actually, I need a poor man's Passenger too. <laughs> and as such, uh, Taylor, he hasn't released an album since 2014 and hopefully it stays that way. I don't think anyone's looking for this anymore. Sure. Or at least I hope he, you know, moves into a musical genre that's not folk pop, for yeah. Christ's sake. Now, I'm not sure if you saw the music video, Tom. I did, yes. So, yeah. in the music video, the barista makes uh, a love heart and the latte art. Ah, yep. Um, so, Taylor <laughs> thinks that she wants to bang him. But um, hot tip here, bro. There's only like three things you can do with latte art. There's the heart. Um, there's a flower thing and like a swan. So if you get the heart, it's just because the chick, it's not that she wants to suck your dick. It's just one of the only three options. And the other two are significantly harder to pull uh, off than the heart. So if you get the heart in your latte, it's just fucking part of making God a latte. But Taylor's have like, any oh, idea gonna, how much money me. I've spent on edible underwear just sending to anonymous baristas? But yeah, you should told me this yeah, earlier. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, now, yeah, yeah. No, the best thing I can say about this uh, is that the video, uh, without any context, successfully convinced me that he was American. Like mm. I, I watched it before I looked it up. They very carefully edited out any local references or any visual cues that might make you think that he was Australian. And he's doing a very good sort of transatlantic folk pop accent. Yeah. Seriously, I reckon this sounds like it could be the next single from Passenger, who's 15 years older and grew up on the other side of the planet. So, I mean, I guess credit for successfully disguising yourself to someone who'd never heard of you as not someone from a reality TV show in Australia yeah. who came third after trying to get into it with his dad first <laughs> and failing. Good fucking so, move, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the man yeah. in the mirror. I mean, often they try that trick. You notice the Reese Maston beta tried that several times and failed. Oh, like it's, it's harder than you would think to... For someone who lives in a country, it's hard to visually draw out all the things because there's stuff in videos that you don't even notice. Yeah. It's giving it away. But, I, you know, he, I thought he legit did it in this one. So, you know... What would you... Um, would you buy the CD single um, <laughs> Daft Punk featuring Maston beta? Would you be... <laughs> Well, Daft Punk can save just about anything, but yeah, that, that is a tough Is that one. like a Tarantino, um, John Travolta <laughs> style? Yeah. Yes. I think yep. we've talked about that before, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. Now, um, his follow-up album, not, not the one that this song came off, was titled Burnt Letters, um, mm. which I assume means letters he sent to some chick that ended up burnt. And she didn't want to read his fucking whack as hell lyrics. <laughs> uh, the first lyric in this song, Tom, is... Quote, love is a feeling you feel. Yeah, that's Now, you can fuck right off. I assume anyone who opened a letter received from Taylor would have taken one look and read it. Dear Sarah, love is a feeling you feel. And then immediately threw it into a fire. <laughs> yeah, good old DNA songs coming at you again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't actually DNA songs. No, it Sorry. wasn't. No, it was written by Louis Schul. Alex Hope and Hayley Warner, who also wrote Goodnight for the Reese Maston Vega. Oh, she Jesus. went on, she's the one who started off writing songs. No, she started off in X Factor, then went on to writing songs for X Factor, then finally ended up achieving the heights of musical success, which is writing a B side for Nickelback. Oh, I think, yeah. Good. But yeah, back then she 
was just writing lyrics like, you can keep borrowing my heart, take it or leave it, it's yours to decide, break it or keep it, you're safe, and I won't let you go when your world's in the dark, you can keep borrowing, borrowing my heart, love when will you lend yourself to me, oh if you give it up, I promise I'll return it to you safely. Now, as you can see, whatever X Factor pays songwriters is not enough to include a consistent point of view, a consistent object under discussion, consistent internal logic, or consistent person-slash-concept being addressed. If these twats asked to borrow my heart, I'd assume they were either talking to the guy next to me on the bus or suffering a masturbation-induced psychotic break of some sort. Yeah. But, yeah, that's about, you know, seriously. I... I didn't hate his pers- I didn't hate his kind of vibe that he gives off in the video yep. because he's kind of young enough to seem sort of blameless but yeah everything else about this is pretty bad isn't it yeah this sucks shit um, look he's got 140,000 listeners on Spotify I'm that's not talking. bad for a X Factor winner of or <laughs> bronze it's <laughs> not too bad but um, I've thought about this and I posit this is the reason um, people have got on the Spotify mm-hmm they want to listen to Taylor Swift. They've typed in Taylor and then they've accidentally pressed the wrong <laughs> button. And then they've gone, what the fuck is uh, this? Yes. And then Taylor Henderson gets a play and that counts. So I think that probably happens 130, 135, 140,000 times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he actually has no listeners because yeah. I can't imagine anyone wanting to listen to this. Um, Discogs, none for sale. <laughs> Never been sold. One person has it in their watch list. <laughs> So there's one dude out there who is just waiting for this to go on sale. I'm not sure who that is, but yeah, anyway. no one tells him that you could, you know, watch music on YouTube or he's well, going to be a rude shot. That's true. Um, What's next? All right, up next, Tom Eminem featuring Rihanna, the Monster. Ooh, right. Now, how many fucking times have these two teamed up? Well, this is their fourth. Is actually. it? Okay. Yeah, it's and his fourth single from this album, the Marshall Mathers Two LP. Yeah. So yeah, four times they've you know, and at least one other number one that we've covered. So, yep. Yeah. Now it's a case of diminishing returns for me, Tom. <laughs> you think? Okay. Um, as this one isn't as catchy as that. Love the way you hurt one. Hurt. Love Rihanna's the way you chorus lie. in that was sorry. Yeah. Love the way yeah. you lie was a bit better. Um. You know, the Rihanna hook in that song was was quite catchy, yes. but he's rapping. They didn't quite meld well together. No. Um, this is kind of the same thing. Eminem sort of a r- emotional rapping and then the chorus, but what do you, how do you think they handled yeah, it this time? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree. Um, Eminem goes back to the big female vocal chorus well again, which he's been doing since Dido whenever he needs a mainstream hit. Yep. Uh, once again, there's a few issues with the clutch crunching gear changes between his super fast raps and the chorus as you said. But yeah, I, I agree. I reckon they've gotten better at it, certainly since uh, the first version of Love the Way You Lie. But I do think that that one has a bit more punch in terms of subject matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? This just seems to be a sort of generalised, oh, I've got a dark side that comes out in my music thing instead of the much more disturbing, I'm occasionally violent with people I love sort of confessional that he was doing in Love the Way You Lie, especially when the person doing the chorus is the subject of, you know, yeah. domestic violence as well. Yeah. Compared to that, this is just him sort of, you know, doing his, you know, I got a dark thoughts shtick, but yeah. Uh, the hook was, sorry, the hook was co-written by Baby Rexha and John Billion, and the song went on to win the award for best rap slash sung collaboration at the 2015 Grammys, 
which is two years away. So I don't know, it must have hung around for a bit. <laughs> Fucking but, yeah. forever. Um, <laughs> I mean, we are getting towards the end of the year, but still, yeah. that's yeah, a year and a half. It's, um, it's interesting that um, Rihanna and Eminem have done four collaborations yeah. at this point. Yet um, none about him being anally penetrated by her with a strap-on dildo. Um, maybe that's where they draw the line. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Um, the video, Tom, um, it appears to be, <laughs> am I correct in this, it's just a video made up of his older videos. Yeah, it's kind of lazy. It's- so she plays like a, because he, he's at the very start he's in like a... Um, a, a straight jacket, home. mental home. Yeah. And Rihanna's like the doctor, I guess, or something like that. And then he just seems to have flashbacks of other videos he's done in the past. Yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. It's sort of him watching a series of disturbing images in fast forward on a TV, you know, uh, science fiction style. But it's hardly a clockwork orange. You no. know, he's not like, he doesn't have his eyeballs propped open or anything. Really, you just wonder why he doesn't change the channel to Antiques Roadshow or I'm a Celebrity, Stop Fisting Me, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and I think maybe the trade-off with that, you know, that Rihanna says, okay, I promise I won't write the chorus about pegging, and but in return, in the videos... I refuse to dress up as a series of wacky celebrities. Yeah. So whenever they do a video together, he has to come up with something that's not just dressing up as a series of wacky celebrities because <laughs> sure. she's not going to play ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then instead you get these kind of, uh, what is it? Well, the guy from Oasis said every director thinks they're making fucking <laughs> apocalypse now. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Um, if Rihanna was um, your doctor, do you think... Um, you'd be visiting with a little bit more frequency. <laughs> um, you know, do, do you think a lot of people would be pretending, you know, their kids, yeah. you know, Munchausers by proxy type thing, their kids have just got some illness just to get in there and see Rihanna every I mean, day? it's not like she's afraid to get her cans out. They really missed a trick with some George Costanza-style sponge bath action yeah, at this, you I, know. I know, exactly. He could have him in one room being all serious and then her in another room, you know, you know changing the sheets. Well, that's the thing. I wasn't sure whether Eminem was just feigning. So the, <laughs> the point I was trying to make is oh, Eminem just lean over. With was was he just top. yeah? Was he feigning his like <laughs> mental condition just so that he's like, oh, that Rihanna, she's all right to try and go in and see the doctor a bit more. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they could have merged the two concepts together. You could have the first two minutes this really dour, grimy, eight mile style, you know. Nine Inch Nails looking video and then halfway through it just busts out into the old wacky comic book style thing like he's hallucinating Dr. Dre dressed up as Batman and Robin again and stuff that's yeah Rihanna's running around Benny Hill style the hospital in a short well that's what I was thinking borrow from the Red Foo video yeah exactly Rihanna sort of chasing (laughs) Eminem around and then in one bit his pants fall down it's like ah there's nothing wrong with ridiculous videos it's just that Red Foo wouldn't know ridiculous if it poked him in the nose which is ironic isn't it so so look um, this is uh, anything more before we get into the lyrics Uh, the lyrics by his standards are fairly straightforward as I said it's mostly just the old shtick of you know look I'm doing it tough because my brain's all hard I think in this one the idea is that he's conquered his demons like it's I'm friends with the monster instead of I'm haunted by the monster Uh Uh, at one point he says and stumbled onto Jeff Van Vondren because I need an interventionist to intervene between me and this monster and save me from myself and all this conflict because the very thing that I love is killing me and I can't conquer it. My OCD's conking me in the head, keep knocking. 
At first I thought this might be one of his trademark, wacky, ironic cultural references, but it turns out that Jeff Van Vondren is actually an interventionist. Uh, he's an ex-pastor who was on a reality TV show called Intervention and Ooh. appeared in South Park at one point. Now, I don't know whether Eminem's had an intervention or whether he's just a big fan of C-list reality TV. I mean, he did grow up in a trailer park, so I'm guessing the answer is both, probably. Could be, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, possibly at the same time. But yeah. No, that's about as much as I had to say about that one. By Eminem's lyrical standards, it's fairly uh, mundane, really. Um, 53 million yeah. uh, listeners, Eminem, and 52 monthly Spotify listeners for Rihanna. So wow. 100 mil yeah. for those two combined. Good stuff. That's um, nuts. This would cost you $28.91. Yeah. I mean, at that point, they're both, they'd be getting close to the two biggest stars in the world. Yeah, really, absolutely. Pop music, anyway. So it's going to cost you $30. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, crazy. That's the most expensive one this year. I oh. think so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right, up next. Up next. What um, have we got? All of Me by John Legend. Yes. Uh, this is the third single from John Legend's album, Love in the Future. It became his most popular song, at least in Australia, earning an eight times platinum cert in the USA and hitting the top of nine different countries' charts, including the US Billboard Hot 100, where it was number one as well. There you go. Yeah. Look, John Legend is a stage name. Mm-hmm. You're putting yourself out there, aren't you? It's a bit of a big deal. <laughs> Certainly in Australia you've fucking you are, done yeah. anything. I'm, John, <laughs> I'm a legend. But um, apparently... Someone else who heard him sing before he'd taken off said, yo, you sound like one of those old legends. Like, I think his voice had a bit of a characteristic of one of the older type croony legend guys. Yeah. Um, And Kanye, him and Kanye were sort of uh, friends and collaborators before they both were were famous. So I think Kanye started calling him John Legend and, uh, yeah, just ran with that as a stage name. Sure, sure. Why not? Why not? (laughs) Um, This is an emotional ballad, Tom. Very emotional. What's it about? What can you tell me about it? Well, I mean, it's tempting to hate on this because it's a bit of a soppy love song. Yeah. But it's really just an old school, straight up romantic ballad about how much he loves one specific woman, e.g. his wife, Chrissy Teigen, Mm. uh, because he obviously does love her and she's a real human being and they got married this year and are still together with two kids. It does actually feel real and genuine, even if you don't particularly like the song. You can't sort of argue with the, you know, the... The sentiment inside of it, course. yeah, of it doesn't course. sound like it was written by a machine, at least. So yeah. that's something. Um, by Chrissy Teigen, do you mean the same Chrissy Teigen <laughs> that uh, former president of the United States of America Donald Trump called "filthy mouthed" while he was still in office? Do you mean that? Yeah, Chrissy Teigen? she's a bit of a fucking gun on Twitter, I think. And yep. Yeah. Um, he did call her filthy mouth, and um, I believe John Legend responded with, "Imagine being president of a whole country and spending your Sunday night." hate watching MSNBC hoping someone, anyone will praise you. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of and he's sort of bang on there. It seems mm. weird for the president of the USA to be watching television oh, yeah. and then just tweeting at people he dislikes. I I mean he was on Twitter for four years and yeah. I don't think in that time he managed to realise that when you post something on Twitter, it comes up with the time that you posted it. Yeah, exactly. So that if you're taking a huge KFC 21-piece 
you know, blood <laughs> vein struggling shit on the toilet at half past 2am and also tweeting out on a Tuesday morning yeah. that people can tell that that's what you're doing. <laughs> you know, while you're supposed to be the president, you've got nothing better to do at half past two in the morning than yeah. call fucking ex-supermodels filthy mouth. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, Trump also called John Legend boring. Um, is he wrong? Well, you know, you might be closer to the mark there, but sure, it's not exactly um, thrills a minute. I mean, I think I find it a bit hard to judge him because he really wasn't as big over here as he clearly was in America. So really, this is the main thing I know him from and from being married to Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. So I I can't really judge whether he's boring or not. This song's not a thrill a minute, though. Oh, look, I think in the cheese factory it's pretty high, but as you said, it's a real-life thing, so, you know, it's sort of about his wife, which is nice. It's Um, also worth pointing out that Donald Trump's favourite song is YMCA, (laughs) and he's a homophobic (laughs) piece of shit, which means that, again, tasting music aside, he's been listening to this song for 44 years now without realising that it's openly about picking up gay dudes at the gym. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think this could have benefited with a few Euro beats in the second Definitely. half. Definitely. I think at 140 BPMs, it really would have come to life. Um, yeah, look, nice of him to use his wife in the music video. Um, Chrissy Teigen does feature sure. in this. And um, look, it's good because, the you know, if he's cupping her cans in this, <laughs> which I think he might have been, I can't really recall, but if he was, you know that she's into it. Um, not like a Robin Mm, Thicke video where cupping the breasts in the video is most likely sexual assault Um, and any consent would probably just be a Stockholm Syndrome type (laughs) scenario with Robin Thicke so that was nice to know that there was no sexual assaults taking place on the camera so yeah which is good yeah look um, I think uh, what did he say I think John Legend mentioned the first time that um, he sang the song to Chrissy T and she cried. Yeah, I think he um, does in the video at one yeah, point too. And I, I say that, uh, <laughs> I get the same reaction, um, you know, whenever Red Foo plays his songs to his partners for the first mm, time. Once or anybody really. But it's less in a, that's beautiful and more in a, what the fuck have you done type of thing when Red Foo plays <laughs> yeah. his songs to people. Yeah, I know. The first time I heard Butterfly Kisses by Bobby Carlyle, I also cried, but... Mm. That was mostly caused by the acidic fumes wafting up off the carpet from my stomach bile where I, you know, <laughs> power chucked onto the floor. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, tears can mean different things. They can, yeah. Look, um, so legend married Chrissy Teigen this year, 2013, in mm. Italy. He sung this song to his bride during the nuptials. Um, fucking hell, he's getting a lot of mileage out of this thing, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it like Seal singing Kiss to a Rose? <laughs> Every fucking year to um, Heidi Klum and her just going, I've had a fuck, I've had enough of this. <laughs> Birthdays, <laughs> weddings, all that shit. Your, your European supermodel has a higher tolerance for um, being yeah. a song the same ballad a lot. Than exactly like um, Chrissy. T- I mean, it's ten years on now. I'd be one. I'm interested now if Chrissy Teigen, if it's like a birthday, and he mm. just comes out and goes, Oh me, and she's like, Oh fuck, not again. <laughs> I've had enough. But maybe she still loves it. Look. Um, the music video was directed by Kanye West, Frank Ocean, and Bon Iver. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, black and white video shows scenes from their uh, honeymoon in Italy. And I assume the reason they did that was so they could write off at least part of the wedding on tax purposes. Yeah, so. it sounds a lot like Kanye West, Frank Ocean, and Bon Iver just really wanted to go to Italy on holiday because yeah. if there's a, any 
indication that any of them directed this, which is mostly just black and white home movies, essentially, yeah. of people, you know, good-looking people standing in front of naturally good-looking backdrops, then, yeah, I couldn't tell it. Exactly. Yeah. Look, I mean, would I prefer a power ballad with a cliff-top solo and three verses analogising love to a nuclear meltdown? Yeah. Probably, yeah. But then I did grow up in the 80s, you know. If a singer isn't wearing leopard print downhill skiing tights, I just don't feel like I can really trust them. You yeah, know I mean? agreed, agreed. Yeah, all of these hot people in a spa thing. Yeah, I just don't know where I sit, really. Yeah. Lyrics. Uh, co-written by legend and German writer-producer... Toby Gad, who you might know from his work with Hannah Montana uh, on Big Girls Don't Cry for Fergie or the worldwide smash hit Cinderella for Daughtry, a.k.a. the poor man's hinder, sometimes called the poor man's nickelback. Uh, What's your favourite verse from Cinderella, Ben? Cinderella? Mm. Um... (laughs) They're all very good. I mean, how do you pick? It's uh, hard to choose. Because you're one. my Cinderella and I'm your kind of fella. I want to kiss you there and tell you you're so hella good looking tonight. <laughs> uh, some said Gad couldn't top himself after that. But no. working with John Legend inspired the duo to new heights in all of me, such as give me all of you, oh, cards on the table, we're both showing hearts, risking it all, though it's hard. This song is dorky but earnest. It's hard to fault, really, because it's so straightforward. Uh, we've both been to more than one wedding where people try to write their own vows, you oh, know what I mean? So yeah. I'm sure you'd agree that the median setting for human men trying to verbally express the concept of affection is pretty fucking low. Yep. You know? If you can write a song for your own wedding and hit number one in nine countries without quoting from Fifty Shades of Grey, Wind Beneath My Wings, or How to Write Wedding Vows, help lastminute.com slash incorporate John Farnham if possible, then I think you've done pretty well. I really. think he has done very well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is there anything worse than I've written my own nuptials? God almighty. And then I'm going to inflict them on a captive audience of 100 people, whether they like it or not. I think most people would rather hear a bad tape recording of the fucking wedding night than that, but yeah. Yeah, I think um, because people are sort of... I guess the, the the whole idea is you get a pass because you're the groom, so mm. it's sort of like you can do. You know, people won't judge you as harshly. That's but, right. Yeah, and obviously the bride's going to like it because she's chemically programmed to be into it. But yeah, you know, everybody else just has to listen. Terrible, exactly. Um, so twenty one million mm. for John Legend. Wow. This will cost you $27.27. He so, must be huge in America. Yep. He really must. I reckon yeah. he operates in the Robin Thicke sort of territory of um, more, uh, yeah. less mainstream, sort of yep. more like adult contemporary and piano shit mm. um, that needs more more uh, beats, he, hasn't, he really hasn't been as big here. It just, I had to, it wasn't until like researching this song that I had to finally confirm that I'd been getting... John Legend and for some reason Ryan Adams confused all this time. Oh no! <laughs> I was like John Legend, John Legend, Jessica Simpson, and it was like, did you mean Ryan Adams? It's like, oh okay, he's black. probably did. They're not even the same. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Confused. What have we got? What have we got next? Um, last song for the year, Tom. Um, one week. Thank fucking Christ! Yeah, one week is this. Jason Derulo's back. Trumpets. Oh. With trumpets. Mm, See, so this is what I mean. He woke up at 3 a.m. and went, Trumpets. It's like a blowjob. <laughs> I could have used <laughs> trumpets. I could have oh. used that. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Pump it. 
on my trumpet, mm, something like that. Blow, blow, blow. Now, Tom, I'm not sure if you know this, Tom. I'm not sure if you're aware, Probably. but um, Jason has two musical marks. Oh, really? Tom. What would those be? He's got positive PG romance, dance pop. I'm listening. Uh, and the other one is bumping Focrass club thumpers. Okay. So they're the two musical modes Focrass. that you're operating. Okay, sure. So, interesting <laughs> though, um, this one isn't a positive PG romance dance pop. No. But it's also about dicking. The lyrics are, there's a lot of boning in the lyrics. So, oh. perhaps it's a bumping Focrass club thumper. But well, I suppose he I did say he operates in two musical modes. He doesn't say that he necessarily operates in them consistently for the length of one whole song. That's true. So maybe he's got a switch on his keyboard of yeah. musical modes and he can just instantly transition halfway through yeah look that's a fair point perhaps that he is sort of using both modes in one but I think what we're seeing here Tom <laughs> is we're seeing the growth and the maturity of uh, Jason Derulo as an I artist see. yes I think now what we're seeing is that he's actually <laughs> operating in three musical modes okay. he's got positive PG romance dance pop yep. bumping Focrass club thumpers and bumping Focrass dance pop wow he's going to have to get a new keyboard so which this single seems to be in that a bumping Focrass <laughs> dance pop sort of genre. Mm-hmm. So this suggests to me, Tom, that in the future, if we're seeing, um, you know, one of these musical styles, you know, creep into another, yeah. that in the future he may also be operating in the positive PG romance club thumper territory, <laughs> which would then be four, four musical modes. Hell. Now, has anyone since Prince worked in four musical modes? Not that I know no, of. No, no, I'm not saying that Jason Derulo is the new Prince, but he has to be in the conversation <laughs> with these four musical modes. Yes, definitely. Mm. Yeah, look, did you watch the video for this? I did watch the music video, Tom. Um, it's a very good music video. The top comment on the YouTube video is, uh, quote... <laughs> People that dislike this song should get their COVID test because one of the main symptoms is no taste. (laughs) You like that? I think that's a pretty good burn. I mean, you could uh, change dislike to like and get exactly (laughs) the same joke, but still, not not bad. Um, I'm saying that this video is every bit as tasteful as Jason himself. And we know he's tasteful because he's introduced in the video... Uh, lying in bed with his French bulldog mm. underneath a large naked photographic portrait of himself, yes. watching a music video of himself on a TV. Mm. Uh, the decor is a style interior decorators call If Dolomite Was Gay, which is an interesting choice <laughs> uh, for the, the year 2020, uh, 2013. Yeah. Absolutely. Um He's also doing some sick moves in an alley. Yes, he does do some pretty rad dancing in this. Yep. So he's dancing a lot in the alley. In one bit, he does a flip off a wall. Yep. Um, Another bit, he's hanging off a window. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, he's got all the moves. Um, And, yeah, it's great. Great, great. I've heard a rumour, you might be able to confirm this or not, but Derulo works in two modes, Ben. Yeah, Is that true? Yeah. Well, my theory is that this is actually, at least in part, uh, positive PG romance dance pop. Okay. Uh, And I would like to point to the evidence that the smoking hot woman in lingerie rubbing herself on him for the entire video is the only 
one in the video. Okay. Thereby demonstrating that he is a one-woman man. Okay. If you see what I mean. Or one woman and a dog and a large framed nude portrait of himself okay. man anyway. <laughs> also, when she's on the stripper pole after 90 seconds, it's a classy private stripper pole yeah, you know, okay. in a very small one-man strip club that Jason has set up in his mum's basement. Yep. Because this isn't about other girls, Ben. This is between him, his cigar, and her oscillating tattooed cans. <laughs> True. You know? In his mum's basement. <laughs> so you're saying that perhaps this is positive PG romance dance pop, in which case he is only operating in two musical modes, or you think... I think you're right. I think the four modes theory is true, but I'm saying the video at least yep. has a romantic element that the trumpet-related lyrics may not necessarily lend themselves to. Yep. Exactly. He's made a conscious decision to go, hey, normally I have 17 nude chicks rubbing themselves yeah, on me. This time true. I'll just go with one. Yeah, you know? for sure. It is a song about monogamy, I would suggest, <laughs> definitely. Now, when we listen to... Uh, so the other one had... The, the first song that we talked about had that yeah. catchy sort of... Uh, Brass bit, <laughs> and he does a sort of similar thing here in this song, yes, doesn't it? There's very, a, lot of, a lot of samples similar. in this <laughs> yeah. with a brass instrument sample bit in there. But lyrically, um, he's comparing his female companion to other songs. Yes, so it's that's kind of a weird decision. So it's, it's the concept here, and look, mm. I'll credit where credit's due. It's sort of an original, yeah, concept, I guess. So, um, so in one buddy says, "Is it weird that your ass reminds me of a Kanye West song?" <laughs> Um, which song um, is it closed on Sunday is it that Kanye West song perhaps doesn't take shits on Sunday isn't prepared to be penetrated on mm, I don't know mm. um, is it weird that your bra reminds you of a Katy Perry song you reckon California girls the bra is currently spraying whipped cream over Jason Derulo Do you think I mean I guess sure yeah, for sure is it weird that your eyes remind me of a Coldplay song <laughs> is it yellow the cold place if that might just be fucking jaundice mm. Jason Derulo I'm not really sure um, so that's what he does he compares the different <laughs> yes. songs and sort of goes but he could have gone further with the concept I think yes um, you know given that this is a bumping faux dance pop why doesn't the vagina get a reference true you know? is it weird that your snatch reminds me of a Britney Spears song <laughs> toxic <laughs> I don't know oops I did it again I don't know oops I did it again um, is he a Kenny Loggins fan? Is it weird that your vagina reminds you of a Kenny Loggins song? <laughs> Which one? Danger Zone? <laughs> I don't know. Do you think he was a Baby Animals fan song? <laughs> He's a fan of Australian rock group Baby Animals. Is it weird that your vagina reminds you of a Baby Animals song? Shaved and Dangerous? Mm. I don't know. So mm. there's options a go-go. <laughs> that Jason could have gone with this concept, but he didn't. He stopped. That's right. Probably because it is a, a positive PG romance yes. dance pop. And and I, I get the feeling like he's comparing this same woman's uh, physical attributes to yeah. different people, but he, he's focused on her. Yeah. You know, he still thinks of her exclusively as a collection of body parts, yeah. but at least they're all attached to one woman because that's the kind of romantic that he is. He does, you know? yeah, exactly. I've got to admit, I did find that really weird. I, I don't know a lot of Kanye West songs. I found myself thinking, oh, there must be a Kanye West song about asses that I'm not aware of, but I don't know if there is. There's one... I can't remember what it is. I think it's one of the ones off the Jay-Z. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll have to find it, yeah. But and and I wasn't like you sure. say, I mean... It's weird your bra reminds me of a Katy Perry song. Like, you say if it was your 
tits remind me of a Katy Perry song. Yeah. Be like, well, she's got her tits out in half of videos. But like the bra, what the only one that could be is California girls. But it's not an especially erotic thing, no. unless he is one of the lactation fetishists that we've discussed. Yeah. You know, like he's he, the concept. The he starts off with the concept, and I'm fine with it because it hasn't <laughs> been done before. But he's got he gets ass, a bit carried away. bra, and eyes. So he yeah. hasn't. There's, there's, he hasn't gone for three body parts. He's gone for two <laughs> body parts and an item of clothing. That's right. And also, I can't imagine she's wearing the same bra every day. So it's sort of, you know, it would be a bra. Mm. That, I don't. Maybe it, maybe he had boobs in the original, and then he was like, I can't "Is it weird that your cans remind me of the <laughs> Katy Perry song?" And I went, "This is positive PG dance pop. <laughs> yeah, you got to fucking you got to make it bra." Sure. So. Yeah, which explains the the non use of vagina or asshole as well. Yeah, so. I mean, I think you've you've gone over. They're the most ly- interesting lyrics. Yeah. Uh, uh, was written with co-written with Derulo and John Bellion again, who also did a lot of work with Bieber. Uh, I just, the, I mean, the chorus I found slightly odd. Ha ha, yeah. Is it weird that I hear trumpets when you're turning me on? Mm. I mean, yeah, it is, bro. It is weird. You should probably talk to someone about that or. Stop mixing Viagra with PCP, possibly. <laughs> I'd say so. It's not a normal reaction to cracking a fat. Is um, orally hallucinating trumpets. Oh, look, I think if, um, you know, her ass reminds me of a Kanye West song, he's definitely on some sort of drugs. I quite like it in the video that while he's staring at her ass on the stripper pole, yep. um, and then he says ass, it cuts back to him, just in case you're not sure what he's talking about, and he makes the the sort of uh, Hungry Jack's hand gesture just to establish, you know, the, yep. yeah, the exact thing that he's after in case you were confused. Definitely. Look, I'm, I'm excited by this one, Tom, <laughs> given that it does show that we might get some more musical modes out of Derulo. I, I, yeah. I have a feeling we're going to hear I've some forgotten more how stuff, much so. he troubled the charts in the, in the 2010s. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and we haven't even thought about what happens in his declining years when he starts releasing um, the other musical mode, Boring Shit, which <laughs> oh, is a okay. distinct fifth musical mode. Because um, Sam Smith operates strictly in Boring Shit. He does, he? So, yeah. I, I'm still waiting for the Derulo um, Flow Rider crossover. Oh. Would that be like pushing two positive ends of a magnet together? <laughs> they, yeah. They're just so similar. Yeah. But yeah. It's oil and water, Tom. They're not going to mix. But um, yeah, or I, oil and oil. It's yeah. just too much fucking oil. Exactly. Exactly. Look, <laughs> you throw a pit um, bull in there and you can, you know, have a bath in oil. Well, that'll be some research during the week, Tom, to see if they have teamed up. Because maybe it was just so good that it just sort of um, people was couldn't handle it. Wasn't the Aries. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Sure. Indeed. So, um, yeah, I already mentioned Jason, $34 million, $2.82 for this. One of the cheaper offerings yeah. of the week, if you want to pick that up. Um, and that's it for 2013, yeah, Tom. Yeah, it is. Now, the biggest song to not reach number one this mm-hmm. year was uh, Royals by Lord. Uh, yes. Which is yeah. probably better than almost any of the songs on the charts. Yeah, this week, so. that, that, that just brought her out of being a... She was a... She was really young, like 15 yeah, or 16 so. in a New so. Zealander. It's not often that 16-year-old New Zealanders jump straight to the top of American pop charts. As with the song we discussed last time, um, uh, Thrift Shop. Oh, yeah. Kind of out of the two out-of-the-blue songs in a genre rejecting all the existing 
sort of st- things of that genre, lyrically at least, e.g. that everything has to be blinged up and excellent and then becoming massive successes. So exactly. kind of weird, but yeah. Exactly right. All right, anyway. well, thank you very much for listening. Oh, you can watch the music videos. I was assuming you'd want to talk about how Beyonce's new single is the start of a Eurobeat renaissance, Ben. I assume you're working on an essay about that and we will get to it at some point. Yeah, sure. You well, mean Beyonce's 2022 single? <laughs> the, 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 like that's yes. what you meant. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's I a think Europe the whole album. Yeah, clearly. I'm just hoping this leads to you know a, a tour for Melody MC. The very minimal. Oh fuck yeah! I hope that um, Melody MC just does get in on that. Um, be, I hope she probably guests on a few songs on the new Beyonce mm. Melody MC. Hopefully Ice MC as well. Just hope I don't die without seeing the words featuring erotic. Yeah, erotic Beyonce. Um, um, whoever did I'm Horny with that <laughs> tea moose or whatever it was. Moose tea. Moose tea. <laughs> Hopefully they'll come along. Um, and of course, uh, DJ DJ Sammy. Um, yes. All my favourites. Yeah, all, all those guys. All right. Yeah, definitely. Alex Party. Um, <laughs> Hadaway. Hadaway. <laughs> all, all right. Thank you very much. I can't resist that button. Sorry. Um, some He's so into reggae.